Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 165 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is August 3rd, 2021. I'm Robert Robert Ring. With me is the wonderful Mr. J. Totoro. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Wonderful, huh? Wonderful. Yeah. Um, what's up? How's it going, Jay? Uh, it's good. Life is life is all right. Work work is a little crazier now, but uh, otherwise things are pretty tame, which is nice. You uh, you and I were just talking just a second ago, and you started playing some Final Fantasy fourteen. I like that. I did. I yeah. like that. It is. Uh, it's a nice little thing to do right now because WoW is kind of uh, it's kind of docile right now. There's there's not a lot going on, so. Uh, just looking for something to do in the free time right now, just to have some fun. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I was about to ask. I, I forgot to ask you earlier. Like, what what made you want to start playing it? Uh, just looking for something. Just I, I really like MMOs, so I love just like peering off, and I, I get distracted really easily. I have a very short attention span, so uh-huh. I'll go from game to game to game for a while, and then you know, kind of end back up. So while while is there's not a there's not a ton going on right now, so it's been. I've been looking for some other stuff to play. I was either going to play Final Fantasy XIV or New World, actually, is what I was going to, were the two games I was looking at. And after doing a bunch of research, I have no interest in playing New World because it looks like absolute dog shit. Sounds like that not was... that good from what I've heard, yeah. And it, it's like, they did like a last ditch, like, oh, but they basically took a, a completely PvP dedicated MMO and were like, oh shit, that's not, because so they, Amazon, who owns New World, they were, they were doing a Lord of the Rings MMO and they canceled it. Which I was really bummed about. I'm like, fuck. Like, so that, that, that was something I was actually really looking forward to. Like, you know, if, if it's any good. And then I was like, well, at least they'll take those resources, put them towards New World. And then they said they're going to add a bunch of PvE stuff to it. So I'm like, okay, like, that's cool. Like, I'm, I'm like a 70-30 PvE PvP person. So I was like, okay, that, that's kind of cool. But the PvE they are putting in that game is so bad. And I really hate the way that they're marketing the game. Because they keep acting like they are the first people to do an action-based MMO. And they're not. Like, they're... There have been other uh, action MMOs before, so it's just it's so frustrating because they act like they're doing something new and exploring like new territory. And it's like there have been other MMOs that have done this before, and it doesn't work well. It just doesn't keep people's attention because like imagine playing an action-based MMO in a raid or like a party or a dungeon. Like, wh- what are you gonna do? Like, how do you balance that? How do you make it interesting for the player? Yeah, you know, there's just so much. You 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 have so many limitations because it has to be an action-based product. Right. So, Needless to say, it does not look good. Uh, in the PvP, they watered it down a lot because they wanted to make it more appealing to PvE players. They made it so not everybody's involved in PvP, and they did a bunch of other stuff that's... You know, I understand people don't want to get griefed in camp, and I totally get that. But, um, you know, making a sort of survivalist, survival-like PvP MO is kind of cool, and it's kind of a niche yeah, yeah. thing that's not, that's not done well. So for them to take that out of it and be like, all right, for those who don't want to get, you know, ganked, that's totally cool. We'll just remove that for you. It's like, well... <laughs> But this is <laughs> a PvP game. It, like, yeah, yeah. it just—they're they're, kind of all over the place. They're not doing one thing well anymore. They're just trying to capture—I don't even know anymore. Dog do? <laughs> I don't know. Seems like they're it trying to appeal a little bit to every p- possible person. Yeah, money. I mean, that's that's the way, the way I look at it. Is they're they're trying to get the largest audience possible, which is great. But you're going to be short-lived. I mean, New World was popular on Twitch for 15 minutes. It's had a couple of upticks here and there especially when they're, they're open beta but i just i do not see that game being anything substantial i think it's one of those games that's going to come out of early access or beta and most people aren't even going to be aware and it's just going to kind of fade away as like one of those action MMOs for five years and then they're just going to shut it down unless they do something drastic which i don't anticipate so gotcha yeah well another ashes though another mmo another attempt at an mmo 
Who cares? I'm all in on ashes. If I had chips in my desk right now, they would all be in the center of the table, and I would just have a little sticky note that says ashes on it. I, I'm just completely 100% all in on that game. Like, if that game is dog shit, I will uh, be Ash, very surprised. Ashes? I don't even know. Ashes of Creation. It is a. Oh, is that the one that. Is that the Amazon one? No, it is, it is owned. Uh, so, one guy funds the entire project. He made it big doing something in corporate America in his 20s, and he's he was really big in the classic MMOs, like a lot of the early. Uh, For I think me, you like, told me about this. This says it came it, out in 2019. No, it's it's in Alpha One right now. You can play Alpha One. It's five hundred dollars though. <laughs> okay. I actually thought about doing it too. No, 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 <laughs> me. I legit was like, man, this guy, this guy can have my money. But uh, I, for me, MMOs hit their peak from like 2000, like 1998 to like 2010, 2012, maybe. And since then, it's just like chasing a high that just doesn't exist. Like that's what it feels like for MMOs now. Okay. So, but this game seems like it's going to hit that mark really, really well because it's not driven by money, right? Like that's the the whole point of it. It's not driven about making the most money possible. It's about making a solid product for people who actually want to enjoy playing MMOs the way they should. From my perspective, the way they should be. Okay. But we'll see. Well, let's talk about news. Yes. Um, oh, First thing is uh, Steam Deck. Oh, okay. Thanks, bro. Steam Deck was announced. What do you think of the Steam Deck? I don't really know a lot about it. I saw people memeing on it. And by the way, if my mic's still bad, let me know. Um, okay. I saw people kind of memeing on it, but I, I don't know much about it. Um, I saw some people pretty excited about it. I, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, there's definitely some some titles that I'm excited to be able to play from that perspective, but I don't know. Um, So the Steam Deck, if you are unfamiliar if you haven't seen it it's a it's a handheld basically pc that valve has released to uh to like do like to play pc games handheld <laughs> is it specifically pc games or is it just like steam games well it's steam games but my understanding is it's 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 made to be very easily like you can install whatever you want on it like you, if you want to you can like boot up windows on it if if you want like i think by default i don't know this for sure i think by default it uses some kind of like steam os where you're just playing steam stuff but you can but you can do whatever you want with it if if you want to experiment and just kind of like play around with it a little bit more what's the price tag on that i want to say 300 but i i'm not sure I mean that that seems pretty crazy, right? Like for that seems like so cheap for th- that type of product. It does. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than a Switch. It seems like it's kind of roughly Switch shaped and all, a little bit longer, a little thicker. Oh no, okay, it's it's more. Oh, it's much more. Okay, so the cheapest one is four hundred. Um, that's sixty four gigs, two hundred fifty six gigs. Uh, is it looks like it has also a better uh hard drive, a better solid state drive is five twenty nine. And then the five five twelve gigabyte model is six forty nine. Am I crazy to think that? Well, I, mean, I feel like you would never buy the sixty four gig model, right? Due to capacity, but yeah, probably six for doesn't seem too bad actually. No, it doesn't seem too bad. Um, I don't know about all the specs, mm-hmm. so um, it's kind of one of those things. I feel like unless you really know all there is to know about processors and that kind of stuff. We kind of just kind of wait and see, based on the reviews, if it's good. Um, sure. It is. It is. It's using okay. It's, it uses a custom um, AMD 
uh, processor. Okay. So I guess we don't. I don't. I so I, I guess I don't know how if there's any telling at all whether it's good or not. Um, <clears throat> it seems really cool. I I don't think I'm gonna get one because I already have plenty of handheld stuff. You know, if I want to play a PC game, I'll do that at my computer. If I'm on vacation or at a, in a part of the house where my computer is not, then I've got my 3DS, I've got my Switch, I've got my phone if I need to, I've got my laptop. Um, so so for me, I think this looks cool, but I just don't need it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, I, I really like my Switch. Uh, I, I am playing my Switch more right now than I have for a while, and it, I would not be able to justify buying another, another system. Yeah, unless there's something very specific that I was like, I have to play this remote, remote or mobile. Yeah, I can't see that happening. Uh, what's what else? EA has announced a Dead Space remake. You a Dead Space fan? No, I haven't haven't played it. I haven't played. Actually, I've played it for like ten minutes, and I don't remember. Like, I didn't dislike it, but I think I just got distracted by other things. I have it in my Steam library. But I've played it just very little. Um, but that was announced. Uh, a few more super old school games have come to GOG. Uh, Amazon Guardians of Eden, Countdown, and Echelon. These are all, uh, let's see, Amazon Guardians of Eden is a uh, point and click from 92. Countdown is a point and click from 1990. Echelon is like a... a first person like a like star like space fight space flight simulator or like space dogfight simulator i guess um from wow 1988 that's interesting i'm birth here that's when you were born Mm -hmm. uh or is this even space let's see no it's not space it just kind of looks like it echelon is the code name for a secret oh no it is space top top secret military facility located near oh gosh isis a newly discovered planet <laughs> at the edge of our solar system. I didn't really look into these too much, but I'm kind of interested to see if this is any good, just because like these really old games that try to do very ambitious stuff, like like space dogfight sims, uh, mm-hmm. like space combat sims. Uh, it's it's always fun to see, if nothing else, like how well they succeeded and in, in what ways. That was one of the reasons why I liked Wing Commander One so much, because it's like. How is this? How do they do such a good job back when this was made? Um, I might, I might check this one out. It looks, it looks interesting. Um, okay, and that's that's all the regular news we have before we move into a very, very packed nah. fuck Blizzard nah. section. No, it's packed. Okay. I mean, you wanna? Do you probably? I'm sure. Well, you probably know more than me, I guess, right? Um, maybe, maybe not. I, 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 I've been kind of staying away from it a little bit. I, I, I know what happened and I've read a lot of like what people are saying. And All stuff, right. I'll so. give the quick, I'll give a quick outline of, of what happened. If somehow our listeners are unaware, uh, Activision Blizzard is in trouble with the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. This, this Department of California is suing Activision Blizzard for basically shitloads of sexual harassment what um, did they title it as what are they titled like a fraternity they said their culture was yes, like a fraternity it, yeah it was like a fraternity um the 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 most egregious thing which is really 
very sad and tragic is uh, this is this is I'll just read this is a quote from BloombergLaw.com. This the suit also points to a female Activision employee who took her own life while on a company trip with her male supervisor. The employee had been subjected to intense sexual harassment prior to her death, including having nude photos passed around at a company holiday party, the complaint says. So they literally drove some girl to kill herself. It was so bad. Um, on an, uh, well, I say lighter, I mean, still very serious, but lighter than this note there, there was, uh, evidently they would do something called like cubicle crawls where like people would get drunk and just crawl or crawl under cubicles and stuff and harass women that way. Um, lots of other things of this nature. Um, of course the culmination is the fucking suicide that they caused. Um, so they, they released this report saying, you know, these are all the things that we've, that, that blizzard is suspected of, uh, that, that we've been like, you know, uh, discovering they, you know, and, and, uh, you know, they, this, this all came out, the paperwork came out that the, uh, fair employment and housing department was suing Activision blizzard. Uh, the company's initial response sounded like it was written by Donald Trump. It was so fucking, basically all they, basically they just said, Oh, that's, uh, something like unaccountable bureaucrats. Uh, like, I don't, like, I don't remember the exact wording, but like wasting precious taxpayer dollars on unfounded accusations, you know, some bullshit. Um, it was, it was, they threw gasoline on the fire. It was, yeah, and and also they sent internal emails within the organization that were just so like the worst possible thing you could you could do in this situation. Like, they're literally like, what is the dumbest thing we could do in this situation? I know we'll publicly reject the claim mm-hmm. and then internally quote unquote address the, the the complaint. And it was just it was so bad. I I still I read it a few times. I'm just like, why the fuck would you ever send this out internally? Yeah, so that was an absolute shit show. And then, like, there were two or three or four responses released over the next couple of days by various people in Activision. Some of them, like, apologizing for the first one. Some of them were from employees saying, like, hey, yeah, this is fucked up. We want something done about it. It was just a mess. Um, Employees, in the meantime, got pissed. They staged a walkout, uh, I think, last Wednesday. Don't forget. What? They were given paid, uh, they were given PTO for the uh, walkout. Oh, nice. That, that's what Blizzard thought would fix this. <laughs> um, thanks, Blizzard. You really did us a solid there. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the most just absurd quotes to come out of all of this was Blizzard President J. Allen Brack. <laughs> one of the things he released saying like oh no we're this isn't you know this is all you know we have a nice place this is a nice place here we don't do any of this shit there the, a, a sentence or a part of a sentence in his <laughs> in his statement said when i talked with bobby that's bobby kotick the president of of activision 
When I talked with Bobby about taking this job, one of the first things I mentioned was a re- was the revered saint of of the Brack household, Gloria Steinem, <laughs> who's a feminist. <laughs> like, like, shut the fuck! No, no, you didn't do that. Like, fuck and off! Yeah, that's so fucking weird. I, like- I was thinking that too. Like, but right, hold on, before we get started, I want to tell you, <laughs> like, like. It, 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 it makes no sense. Like I, no. I don't know if that guy thought he was gonna like. Oh, okay. Like oh, well, never mind. Everybody, take take it down. Like take away the trebuchets. <laughs> yeah. Get back to work. We're all good. Like it was a secret code. It, it, th- th- that's become a meme in the meantime, of course. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, that it could not get over how just absolutely absurd of a statement that was. You forgot to mention as well, during all of this, Blizzard, so they said, you know, well, they, they sent a note out to all their their um, users of their game. Like, it was like, a, hey, update from Blizzard, like, we hear you, like, blah, blah, blah. They hired the best union-busting lawyers yep. that Amazon uses to try and deflate this because well, well, one of the things... It was to, let me interrupt real quick. It was, yes, it is to try to deflate it. They said that they hired them to come do an independent, yeah. uh, like, inquiry to figure out if there's really something going on, but yes, the company that they hire to quote, do an independent investigation is a union busting <laughs> firm. For Amazon over the last couple of years that was, if you, if you haven't seen the shit that Amazon pulled to try and stop union unionizing from happening within the organization, yeah. do yourself a favor and look it up. It is actually appalling what they did to, to try and stop their employees from unionizing. Whether or not you agree or disagree with, with uh, unionizing, it's still, incredible what this that the length that they went to stop that from happening so uh yeah they did that all at the same time of yeah we hear you we hear you and then they just do this shit it's just like you guys are just snakes like absolutes the snake's not even a strong enough word no you guys are but it's just obscene um so then a couple days later <laughs> like more things <laughs> kept coming out um there was the report, uh, well, not a report so much, but like somebody came out and said, so there was this uh, job fair or something that Blizzard was at. And uh, there were um, some people who were into like, a, a, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like security, uh, like fucking hacker security stuff. What was the name I'm thinking of? No. Cybersecurity? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and they had like joking, they had like kind of like joke shirts that said uh, like something about penetration on them, because because in 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 cybersecurity terms, like penetration testing is what you call like seeing if you can, you know, hack into a system. Um, well, the Blizzard recruiters, like some girl was talking to them, and they took that shirt as just like open season fair game to like harass the shit out of her about penetration. And, uh, they evidently like kept on asking over and over if she liked being penetrated when the, when was the last time she was penetrated, what kind of penetration she likes the best, like just like what is wrong with you assholes? Like what? Like who does that? Uh, and then a day or two after that, another report came out about one of the guys, at Blizzard, who was supposedly uh, uh, very into seducing as many women as possible, 
had a room called the Cosby Room where he would like try to take women to get laid, I, I guess. Uh, there were screenshots of like of uh, chat rooms where they would joke about the Cosby room and this kind of stuff on, on the report that I saw. I think it was Kotaku, but I'm not 100% sure if, uh, on that. But then they can't like supposedly people were supposedly some people were like, oh, yeah, we called it the Cosby room just because it was like so ugly, just like Cosby sweaters. Like, sh- shut up. You sound like Jay yeah. Allen Brack talking about the revered saint of the household. No, like. You guys are just fucking scumbags. <laughs> yeah. That's honestly all there is to it. Uh, that like it was like one thing after another where you don't think it could get any worse, and then this new thing comes out. You're like, what the fuck? And then this new thing comes out. You're like, what is going on? Like, like when is this gonna stop? When is this gonna stop? It's gonna stop. How did you turn into such terrible people? Um. And then the last bit of news, uh, at least as far as I know, was a development today, which is uh, President J. Allen Brack has left Blizzard. And there are two people taking over his his position kind of together in tandem and uh, to figure out kind of like how to move forward. But he is gone now. Yeah. Um... I don't really have anything to say about that. Jay, am I missing anything? or, Or if not, what what do you, what comments do you have? Just absolutely appalling. I, I just I cannot believe how far they have fallen. And and the worst part is is nothing's going to change. I'm sorry, but nothing's going to change. Blizzard is 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 rotten to the core at this point. It, I I was saying I was just talking to my brother about this before we we started talking, but I think it's just a matter of time at this point. I think Blizzard's going to lose all credibility in the industry. I mean, if somebody like mapped out all their products right now and was talking about like how how well each of their products are doing, and it's like. They really aren't doing well right now. There's nothing that's just like grasping and doing incredibly well, like in terms of like longevity. Like they have a lot of people uh, who are interested in, in WoW right now because they just released like a couple of major patches for both classic and retail. But it, it it's just for me, it's just a matter of time before Blizzard starts to just kind of fade away. And uh, as you were talking about, you know, you're playing Final Fantasy. There are a lot of WoW streamers who are transitioning over to playing Final Fantasy as sort of a protest against Blizzard because they don't want to create content that has anything to do with Blizzard's game because of all the shit that has happened, which I respect a lot. I think that's a really bold thing to do because a lot of people make a living off of streaming WoW. So to risk your your um, your way of making a living by switching to another game is like really impressive. And a lot of people are getting higher viewership for doing it because you know people are just like, you know really happy that they're doing it. So I hope that that stays and I hope that more people do it. I honestly hope that, that Blizzard just kind of fades away at this point. I have no no interest or remorse for anything that they do at this point. There's just there's just no way. Um, yeah, I'm sad to say, probably less sad than you to say that, but I'm sad to say that I agree. Yep, I still like I still watch StarCraft all the time. Like I, I watch probably like an hour of StarCraft a day. Not even joking. Uh-huh. I love watching StarCraft, and it is so hard for me to like see this happen. I mean, I'm watching older StarCraft. Like I was watching. There's a series we should watch together. By the way, I watched it. There, it was from GSL 2012. Just it, it, I, I, I watch predominantly older stuff. I, obviously, like newer StarCraft is just not not that interesting to me, and also just have no interest in it at all. But um, it is just so sad because it's it's just when I think about the glory days of Blizzard and just where they are today, it's it's like not only are they making shitty products, not only are they super greedy, but now they're they're doing things that are just morally wrong. I mean, more so than they were before. Yeah, even and more it, so. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just so hard. And, and I, I know they don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, they don't give a fuck. They're, they're going to make a shit ton of money. They're going to focus their entire company around making mobile games for China, which, you know, that's where the money's at. That's where the market's at. I get it. But please just leave the marketplace then and let, let somebody else take the light because right now you are doing nothing but damaging the industry more and more and more. And it's just, it's just hard to watch, honestly. Uh, it is. It, but I agree. Like, right now, I would just like to see them just go away. Yeah, me too. Uh, like, if, if they literally like, unplugged everything tomorrow, they're like, all right, we're done. I'm like, all right, good riddance. Like, please fuck off. It's just... There's just no, there's no room for that. There is no room for that in today's world. And especially, you know, if, uh, I, I'm saying this very ignorantly, but gaming has always been something that has been a little bit more of a safe haven for a lot of people. And for that to exist in their industry or within their organization is just really, it's just really sad. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's like they attracted, and I, I mean, this has been said many times. I'm not claiming to just have come up with this or be the first person to realize this, but it's like, you know, be, due to the nature of it being a, a video game situation, they've kind of attracted a lot of the same people who play video games that, that don't have the most wholesome views on, uh, I guess, gender equality uh, mm-hmm. and things like that. And so you get all the, you get all them together and it's just turned into an absolute shit show. Say at least in my experience, I know that it is extremely common for men to say, realistically, anybody, not just men, but anybody to say really like sexist and, and just aggressive things. I, I have been like recently. I don't see this very often, and most people that I hang out with, they, for the most part, they don't say things that, of this caliber. But we were we were in Discord with somebody we were playing WoW with when the expansion first came out, and I, I kid you not, it was the fucking experience I've had in a long it was, time. It was, sorry, sorry, things you, you, you cut out. It was the what experience? It was. Just ex- Hold on. Sorry, talks. sorry, sorry, sorry. You're, 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 you keep, you keep like. Is that better? I think so. Shot. So it, it was just a really bizarre, and and it was one of those things that makes you kind of like sit back for a second because it was just such a fucking strange thing. So we we were doing uh, raids with with this guy, this pug, somebody we didn't know, and so the guy like stuck around our Discord afterwards, and he was kind of chatting with us, and he was like, "Hey, do you mind if I bring my friend in Discord?" And we're like. Yeah, sure, like, no problem. So he brings in uh, his friend who is a girl, and I, I don't think they were dating. I, I didn't really get the chance to talk to him very much because you'll see why in a second I stopped talking with him. But he, at one point, was like, uh, one of the guys I play with, his girlfriend plays with us a lot, and she's very, she's like, she is always in Discord, and she's very talkative and, and, and whatever. So he said at one point, like, something about her making him a sandwich. And this is like, no, no joke. Like, this Stop. wasn't like a a meta meme type thing. He like legitimately said this in discord to people he doesn't know that well. And the guy who's, who was dating the girl, he was just like, what the fuck dude? Like, why would you ever say that? Like that is such a bizarre thing to say it, especially to people you don't know. Yeah. And later on, it was me, Corey and, and, and later on, like maybe like 10 minutes later, it was like me, Corey and this guy in discord. He goes, All right, now that our bitches are gone, and Corey's just like, I'm kicking this guy right now. Like, I don't know <laughs> what, whatever. Like, I told the guy, I'm like, I don't know what prompted you to say any of that because, like, no, nobody said anything that was, like, in that universe that would make it okay. Yeah, yeah he like, didn't, like, we... take cues from you guys. He's like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, it was just like, it was such, like, whatever possessed you to say that? Like, it's so, it was so fucking bizarre. I was so uncomfortable for, like, a day. And then the guy <laughs> messaged me, like, he's like, hey, bro, I'm really sorry. I'm like, 
I don't. I told. I They're sent like this long message, and then I put him on ignore because I'm just like, I don't want you anywhere near me. Like, what? What the fuck would you ever say that for? It is such a bizarre thing. Is uh, I I do not understand it. I don't either. I, I, what I'm saying about that is is like, thankfully, I, I I don't know that that is like a a common thing, and I haven't really experienced that much. I see people say like. You know, try to get people pissed off. They'll say things that are you know, off color or like things to draw people out or to to get them to, to get pissed off, whatever. But I, I generally don't talk to people who act, actually think like that. So I'm wondering yeah, who yeah. these people are and what they look like because it's just. I, I, it's I, really no, I, I, I that's a, that's a very good point. I honestly feel the same way. I I don't know if I'm just really lucky that I that these are not the type of people that I've happened to really meet very much in my life yep. or, or what? Like, cause obviously this type of problem is very widespread in many ways, but like you, like you and I, the friends we hang out with the friends you hang out with the friends I hang out with, like we don't really associate with those people. I mean, we, we don't like, those aren't like, we, we don't know. We don't, you and I don't really know people like this. Um, no. And I'm, and I'm, and I want, like, I truly just wonder, like, did I just, have I just gotten lucky that these people haven't like found their way into being an acquaintance of mine or, or what? But I mean, for whatever reason, luckily it's not something that I like personally see very much uh, and have to like, tolerate because uh it's just not there for for me yeah and and it's gotten better too i mean like even the people I hang out with I, I hang out with people that say some things that i don't necessarily agree with at times and you know like it but over time i've noticed that since like less and less people are engaging with that kind of shit it's starting to fade a lot more and i, I which is really nice i think we're going through like a big transitionary period so i'm hoping that um blizzard, what happened with blizzard isn't a setback like i really hope that people aren't like oh this is okay again like I don't know. It just makes me nervous. But I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about this. And um, one of the one of the hosts made a very good point, which is, what can at this point, what can Blizzard possibly do to make you say, "All right, we're cool again now"? Like, okay, you guys are good. <laughs> yeah, but even then, even then, wouldn't you be like, okay, how long is this going to last? Yep. I, honestly, what you, you want to know? What I, want? I would want Blizzard Activision to give up the rights for every game that I care about, <laughs> and let some other company fucking license it and make them. That that's the only way that I would actually be happy with and could do because that would just completely destroy them, and I would never have to look at it. So I don't play anything Activision, so it's like I would be as far away from Blizzard as humanly possible at that point. Yeah, but okay, never happened too, too much money. We've probably, uh, I'm sure all our listeners, I bet have, have probably already heard this discussion on other podcasts. So I, I am, I'm sorry if we've kind of re repeated things that you've already heard, but, but I, there's no way we could just not talk about this. So we long. have to talk about it. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. So, so there's our hot take on the situation. I got something a little more positive. Oh, let's hear uh, it. That's, it's, it's, it's me. It's me related. It's not gaming related. Oh, it's you personal. Jay, oh, pers okay. Jay personal life situation. Don't tell me you got yeah. married or something. Well, no, I already did that. We, we already talked about Oh, this. shit. 
so Lisa and I, well, so I was walking, uh, I walked Diego every morning and we were walking by uh, this park recently and we, uh, oh, okay. Hold on. There we go. So uh, well, I walked by this park every day and Die one, one morning Diego was, it was like adamant he wanted to go and explore the, this, uh, it's like a storm drain and we were like, I, I, was about, I was just me. So I normally try to prevent Diego from going and doing his own thing because I want to keep him like at attention. I want to make sure that he is following my orders, not unfollowing him. But he was doing like this, this thing I've never seen him do before where he was like putting all four of his paws out in different directions so that I couldn't move him. And he was just like oh, really? his nose. He was very determined. Like, he wanted to go in the storm drain. He he wanted to go over to it. It's it's a submerged one, so it's like five feet. It's like a square, and it's like five feet down, so you can like look over. There's like some railings, and there's just like a storm drain. Okay. <laughs> and so I walk to the edge of it, and there's two kittens that are just chilling in like this, this little pipe uh, off into the corner, and they're just sitting there. And Diego's like, I want to sit here and just stare at these cats for as long as humanly <laughs> possible. So I sit there for a few minutes. I just kind of watch the cats. They're not they're not happy with me being there. So um, I leave after a few minutes because I don't want to disrupt their home. And, you know, I, I kind of let them do their thing. So over the next like couple days, I just monitor them. I check on them every morning to see if they're doing all right. Um, make sure that, you know, make sure they're all right at the end of the day. So uh, we had monsoons. We had, uh, we had flash floods recently. So one morning or one night, we had flash floods all night. And it was like, boom, all night. It was like lightning, thunder, flash floods. And I kept waking up in the middle of the night to lightning, and I just kept thinking, like, I wonder if the cats are okay. Like, you know, flash floods are really scary. And storm drain, so this is literally the function of the storm drain is to take all the water from yeah. the surface and funnel it out to a safer spot. So I woke up really early, like, right at dawn, and uh, Lisa and I did, and we were like, shit, I really, like, I'm really worried about these cats. Like, do you want to go over and take a look with me? And she's like, yeah. So we get there, and it's, it's fucking raining. It's, like, super, everything's drenched, and we look over the edge and they're in this storm drain, but they're almost submer submerged underwater. They're, they're a couple feet underwater like and swimming? they're trapped. They weren't, they're, they're kittens. They're, they were a couple like, like, they were like drowning as you walked up. Yeah. They were literally like holding on to, there's like these vertical pipes that block the entrance uh, or these vert vertical tubes that block the entrance to the actual oh uh, entryway. And they were stuck because they had gotten like inside of the, the drain prior to the water filling up. And since the water had filled up, they were stuck. And so they were like grasping onto these pipes and they had like a couple inches left of, of air. Like no, no joke, not to like make a drama, but like literally this, this and, and so Lucy and I were like, holy shit, like we, we've got to get them out of there like right now. Cause, uh, cause the water was just like coming in and it, it was literally like homeward bound type shit. Like it was just so bizarre. And so I grabbed Lisa's legs and drape her over the side of the storm drain. Holy and shit hold her so that she can grab these kittens so she gets both of them and they are drenched to the core they're shivering and they're just not having life they're super upset so uh, i have diego in the car so i get in the car and i put them uh in the passenger seat on the floor as far forward as possible and diego's like i want to smell those cats yeah yeah and i'm like i'm going anywhere near these cats because they were in sewage right because this is a storm drain but there's also like some of the sewage areas are connected to it so there's oh, definitely some like okay. mixture of of doo-doo yeah or whatever you want to call it sewage Let's call so it. We, take them, okay. we take them home we dry them off and we feed them and one of the cats is cool with us the other one's not uh they're we're just kind of warming up giving them water we're trying to keep them warm because they're like shivering and stuff so lisa throughout the day is driving over there to see if the mother was there because i had seen the mother a few times but not like consistently so lisa goes back throughout the day she sees the mom 
So they're like, okay, cool. Like we, we need to return the cats to the mom. We don't want to separate them because these are still really young. And we are a little bit nervous that they have still been feeding from the mother. Uh, and by the way, we are very new to cats at, at this point. We know very little about cats. We know a lot about dogs. So we were trying to do some research and make sure we did everything we could safely to take care of them without interfering with what was going on. So we uh, feed them, we bring them back and we put them in an Amazon box and, and a bunch of towels and stuff. And we let the mom find them. The mom finds them, she takes them back. And then over the next couple of days, I'm watching them again. And then the mom and one of the siblings just disappear and they leave one of the kittens behind. So I am monitoring this cat for a couple of days. Then we start feeding it. And the cat is just sitting in the storm drain again, just crying every day, all day, just crying and crying and crying and crying. So we wait like another week or so to see, or not even a week, it was just a couple more days just to see if the mom comes back. The mom isn't coming back. So we decide we're going to take her home. And so we bought a cat trap and we trapped this cat kitten three weeks ago and we bring it home and we are doing a lot of research and everybody's saying like, Hey, this is probably a feral cat. So just be aware, you know, she's probably not going to take a liking to you. Uh, you know, kind of, it'll take a couple weeks to work your way into it. First time we have her home, she is completely content with us. She just wants to play. Huh. Um, she's eating right in front of us, like just a great experience. So Lisa and I lock and load. I'm getting everything for the cat together. And I couldn't be happier. I have an immediate attachment to this cat. I love this cat so much. So now uh, you have cricket. a pet cat. Well, hold on. Hold on. There's, oh. there's a little more to it. Okay. So uh, I get very emotionally attached to this cat very quickly because I just spent a lot of time with her and I love playing with her. And so we're slowly, we're, I, I took her to the doctor, got her vaccinated and, and everything. So she's all cleared. So then we're like slowly introducing her to Diego and we reach out to our homeowners and they're like, you can't have another pet. And I'm like, okay, well, I was like, listen, I, I get the policy. Can you guys make an exception? Like, we're okay with paying more money. We can raise our rent if we need to. Like, we'd really like to, to bring this cat into our family. We're good pet owners. We take good care of the property. And they're just like, no. And so I'm like, can you guys take it back again and really think about this? Because we'd really appreciate it if you guys could work something out. And they're like, no. So then the next day, they file a quote-unquote random inspection with us because they assume we have the cat because <laughs> we do. Uh, and so we're like, okay. So we try to find a home for her. And we did. Uh, Hunter is now the proud owner of Cricket. <laughs> named her Cricket. Cricket. So yeah, her name's Cricket. She like she likes to pounce a lot, and she is obnoxiously adorable. Like it's oh it's gosh. just like how cute she is. So she's um she's about three months old, about about three to four months old, and she is just absolutely adorable. So Hunter took her as of last Thursday, last Wednesday. Really hard day for me, obviously, um, but. Uh, Lisa and I are, are more than likely going to buy a house now. We, we've been thinking about buying a house for a while, but we're just, we've been kind of teetering because of the market. If, if you don't know, Arizona's market right now is completely fucked for housing. Um, starter homes are 350 grand. Like that is, that is like where you're going to start with like a decent starter home. Okay. So we are, we are probably going to buy a house. And then ultimately Hunter is more than likely going to live with us, which then in turn brings the cat back around. So <laughs> really? Yeah. It, it, it just kind of worked out that way, but, um, yeah, it was just it was just such a crazy thing, and and I'm I'm so I mean I'm so proud of Lisa. Lisa is she's so that's badass. That's crazy and... that y'all like thought like I wouldn't have probably thought oh let's go check on these cats myself. I'd be like oh they got it that you know they probably went somewhere else. I, I wouldn't have thought to go back and see. It's it's one of those things where like I I you know 
everybody, not everybody, a lot of people, and I always worry about this to myself, is like, I advocate for things, but like, would I actually do something in a tough situation? And that was one of the situations where like, I have to act. Because if I don't, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Because I'll be honest with you, if I went down the next day and I found those kittens' bodies, you probably would never hear from me again. I'd probably sell everything and move to the middle of nowhere. Because yeah. I just would be, used to be so fucking devastated by that so it was one of those things where i was just like this is one of those times where i talk about doing things and this is one of those times where i need to act so it was it was a really good experience elisa is, is amazing i mean she was phenomenal through the entire thing and she's just so badass so it was uh it was really it was really exciting her and i learned a lot and at a certain point we may foster additional animals just not right now that's a pretty killer story yeah, I was. Uh, it was. It was really exciting, and my job was pretty cool about it too. I really appreciated them about that because they could have been like, because I was missing meetings and I was, you know, oh, kind really? of slumping in work. It's, you know, I'm going back and forth throughout the day to make sure this cat's okay and feeding her and making sure she's okay. And it, it's. It was just a lot. So I was really. I really appreciated the fact that they were willing to let me kind of go MIA for a couple of days to get this squared away. Damn. So, well, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad. He, I'm glad you gave you were able to give the cat to somebody who you can, who you, you know, like keep up, who's close to you. Who you, you should have seen the first day with Hunter Hunter, the first day with the cat. I knew, I knew it was over. <laughs> he, he spent 90 minutes with her and I, I just knew it was over. So yeah. Hunter wanted a cat too. And he, he's, he lives with his parents right now, but he really wants to move out um, because he has the money too. And he just doesn't want to live at home anymore. So um, I think it's gonna work out really well. So I'm excited. I, okay. So for, like two years I've been saying, all right, I'm going to come down sometime and hang for a weekend. Yeah. Um, and then we were going to do it last year, I think. And then, and then COVID came along that destroyed everything. <laughs> and now it's fucking happening again. It's a, it'll but, happen. It'll happen at the right time. It'll happen. But now I am spurred a little bit more into action. Although, I was really close to coming last time and I was like, I was, I was going to talk with you about it. And that was literally when COVID came, but, um, I do need to get down there now because once you have a cat in your house, I'm not going to be able to come anymore because I am very, I'm very allergic to cats. Yes. Yeah. I like my, like, I, it's not like I'm going to die or something, but it's like my eyes get very itchy. My, my nose, like kind of like gets inflamed and makes it a little harder to breathe. Uh, like my eyes water. It's, it's just really bad for me. So, uh, Lisa is slightly allergic to the cat and I'm a little bit as well. Lisa and I are both like, I'll get the shots. I don't care. We're going to keep this cat. <laughs> the shots take like years. To yeah. And you have to get them like every, every week or yeah, every, I'm, I'm every about, month or I'm about something. To, I'm about to start actually. Oh, cool. Let me know how that goes. Actually. I'm, I'm actually thinking about doing that because, because I'm going to more likely be living with the cat here. Uh, we're probably gonna look to buy a house sometime in November, December this year, depending on the market. Okay. Well, that's an exciting yeah. story. I'm happy that everybody made it out happy. Me too. I, I hope the other cats are all right too, because the mother was, you know, I, I imagine she was fucking terrified when she came back and her kittens weren't there. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But all right. Well, how about yeah, our neighbors thought we were fucking bizarre too, because we're out there all the time. We're out there all day, like just back and forth. <laughs> like, what are they at doing? Are they looking for like a it's, drug drop off or something? These fucking idiots kept throwing kibbles down in there, like kitten kibbles, and and they were attracting ants. So they were attracting like hordes <laughs> of ants down there. So Lisa and I put up this sign, like, "Hey, just a heads up, there are these kittens down there. Like, we are in the process of trapping this cat. If you could please, like, stop doing stupid shit and just like leave it alone. We're feeding the cat. She's fine." 
and they just kept doing it. So like, they were attracting like hordes of ants. So Lisa had to go down there one point into the fucking storm drain with a a, a broom and a fucking uh, dustpan and clean up she all of this shit. She probably looked like an actual insane person doing oh, that. Yeah, I don't give two shits. So people can suck my nuts. It, it was actually insane. Like, well, but they were just trying to help. They were just trying to make sure that the cats didn't starve. He literally put a bolded letter there, letting people like, hey. We've got this covered. Don't do it. Because they were pissed off because the cat was meowing all day. Uh, but the thing is, like, but why are they gonna, like, But it's just going to stay there if they feed it. Right, exactly. And the other thing is, too, is like, you, you, you could not hear that cat if you're more than 20 feet away. So if anybody was complaining about the cat meowing, that's because they were like standing next to Storm Drain, like, why is this cat meowing? Like, it, it wasn't that loud. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, let's talk about video games. Um,. I'm going to go first if that's if that's cool with you. Works for me. Okay. I've got I've got 3 to talk about this time. One quick one, one medium one, one big one. Um uh, well, well bigish. The first one very fast uh is Battle Wheels for the Atari Lynx. Uh this game this came out in 1993. I uh I had I hadn't I don't think I've played a Lynx game since I since I got it for guess it was my birthday and then I played a few games for that episode and I talked about them and I don't think I've played one since so I decided it was time to go back to the links Battle Wheels was one of the games that I that I got with it when I bought it so I figured I'd give it a try I, d- I didn't know anything about it going in it is uh my best way of just of my my overall feelings about Battle Wheels is that it's an it's an imp- it's a very impressive game for what it is uh you know for for this time and for on a handheld but it's but it's not very fun it is a uh it's a, it's basically like an open range open field twisted metal type game mm. uh which sounds really cool but it lacks a lot of things that twisted metal has so the whole the game is you driving around in a car there are are I probably I think probably four four or five uh, NPCs also you know AI characters also driving around in your cars and you're shooting each other last person alive wins. Um, the things that are cool about it are first off the graphics are very impressive for again for a game this old on a handheld system. Uh, they do a pretty good job of like creating, you know, it's not 3d of course, but kind of a 3d effect where, you know, cars are, when you see one off in the distance, it's really small. And then it kind of just, the, you know, the, 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 the Sprite gets bigger as you approach it. Um, everything just really does look pretty good. It's, it's really well drawn. All the art is really well done. Uh, I will say like the environments are very, almost every level like every level is almost exactly the same you're always in a big desert with a few obstacles sometimes there's like a couple buildings in the very middle of the map uh there's i think there are cacti maybe or something like that around and that's pretty much it um it's pretty it's pretty much like an open field like i said um but the graphics are really impressive also impressive is the car customization so in campaign mode you can determine you can choose what kind of weapons your car has what kind of frame it has what kind of engine it has you can determine how much armor it has on each side of the car even and you can also pick which what what color the car is um and then to like when you do repairs and stuff like that in between 
uh, battles, I guess, uh, you have to spend you have to spend money to do that. So all that stuff is really pretty neat. It's 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 again impressive how like kind of thorough and how relatively deep the game is for you know uh, for an overall fairly simple game. Uh, but what it really lacks is kind of anything else to make it interesting. You know, going back mm-hmm. to Twisted Metal, there are all sorts of different cars to pick from. In this one, yes, there is a, there is a lot of customization, but ult, but 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 ultimately, you're going to end up with more or less pretty much the same thing. All the cars, sure. all the cars look the same besides the color. It's not like oh, this one's a truck and this one's a taxi. No, they're all just it's all just cars. They all look kind of like a DeLorean. Kind of down to the same thing. Yeah, it all boils down to the same thing. You might have a different kind of gun, but you're going to have a gun. You might have a different kind of like rear weapon like oil or a rocket or something but that's that's about as varied as it gets um and then the game gameplay wise you're just look looking at the map checking the map every now and then driving to where you see a car and just shooting it until one of you dies and that's and that's that's all that's really all there is to the gameplay so again I was very impressed with certain aspects of it, but it wasn't a fun game to play. After about twenty minutes, I was, twenty or thirty minutes, I was like, "I'm just, I've, I've seen all there is to see. There's yeah, nothing." Kind of one note. Yeah, one note, and there's no, there's no cool environment stuff. Like I said, it's pretty much just open desert with a with a few, with a few like obstacles here and there. There's nothing like, again, like twisted metal. There's no ramps. There's no like you know rivers and lakes. There's no streets and things like that. So, not a very fun game. But it was kind of neat to see. Next game I played, I also I, I decided along with the links I needed to. It's time to go to a system that I haven't played much of over the course of the Classic Gaming Podcast. So went back to the N64 and played some James Bond 007 Goldeneye. Oh, yeah, uh, this came out in 1997, and if if you grew up with Goldeneye. Well, I'll say it this way. If you did not grow up with GoldenEye, then uh, if you were a little bit after that, especially, then you a lot of it was, will probably be lost on you because at yeah, the time, sure. yeah, at the time, it was really a huge step in first-person shooters. Um, it was, I, I dare say, it was maybe the most immersive first-person shooter when it was released. I don't think any anything up to that point w- was as immersive as this one was. You never had things like 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 one of the biggest things to me when the game first came out was uh, I think I've said this before is when you shoot somebody like if you shoot them in the leg they they respond by like grabbing their leg and kind of like hopping around. Stuff like that. Um you didn't see that in any other games. Maybe you had headshots and a headshot would do more, you know, in other games maybe a headshot would do more damage than Shots to the other part of the body, but that was the extent of that was that was the extent to which the game reacted to you shooting one per, one part of a person's body versus another. This one really did a lot more, where you know they would have like you know a, a bloody spot on their body and or grab their leg and hop around. They'd also do things like jump out and roll like from behind a corner and shoot at you. Um, they would you know if you're if you're on a kind of like a stealth mission. They would call for backup if, uh, you know, if you start like just going guns blazing, if you're shooting a gun, it's not silenced. Everybody's going to hear it and come shooting at you. Um, there are times where 
NPCs might, before they start attacking you, if there's an alarm nearby, they might run and trigger the alarm before they start shooting at you so that everybody will come. Um, so a lot of that, you know, up until now, primarily we were used to things like Duke Nukem and Doom and Quake where it's just, there's bad guys roaming around and when once they see you, then you just start shooting each other. This was a little bit more in depth than that. And that was really cool. Um, another big thing about, about this, which I had, I don't know if I really realized at the time is that it's, it's mission based. The levels are all mission based. It's again, you know, in contrast to doom and stuff like that, it's not just kill all the, you know, get, get from one end to the <laughs> other, kill everybody who's in your way. You actually have, discrete missions that you're supposed to carry out while you're going through these levels. You know, one might be, you know, find the plans to this, to this or that, you know, find these blue, we got to find these blueprints, uh, make sure you find those. And to do that, you're going to have to go find a key somewhere. And then you're going to have to find where the safe is that has the blueprints. And then once you get the blueprints and you got to, you got to get to the extraction point or, or, or whatever, or, you know, on this one, you got to take pictures of this and that, or you have to, you know, hack this computer or put or plant this bug on this machine. You have to do all these different things in different missions. And, and I don't think there's any mission that's just kill everybody or just get from the beginning to the end. You always have something that, that you have to do and it, and it gives you a sense of, Oh yeah, I am like a secret agent on a mission as opposed to, Oh, I'm just like a dude who's supposed to kill everybody and get from point A to point B. Again. Yeah, I've heard the the main story missions are still kind of highly regarded. Like I, I've heard other people say the same thing. No, no joke intended. Yeah, no, no, no. I I I agree. They were all. I was very engaged. I so I didn't finish the game. I played. I think I probably only got about halfway through. Um, that was probably a good, I'd say six hours, maybe five or six hours that I played, and I I I really did enjoy all that I played, it was, it was, it was really engaging the whole time because it wasn't just kill everybody. I had thing, I had things that I had to do. I had, you know, mission goals that I had to accomplish. Um, one common complaint that I hear about GoldenEye is how bad the controls have aged, especially, you know, now that we have controllers with two joysticks and you can walk around with the one and aim with the other. This one doesn't have that. Uh, because there's only one joystick on the Nintendo 64 controller, and that kind of control scheme hadn't really become uh, popular yet, for primarily for that reason. Um, but honestly, I found the controls to really be pretty good. Uh, so you're you're pretty much running around with just the joystick, primarily just the joystick. Um, if you when you turn the joystick, you know you push forward, you're going to run forward. When you turn when you push it left, you're going to turn left. You're not going to strafe left. However, you can use the C buttons, the, the yellow C buttons on the Nintendo 64 controller. And those do, those do strafe left and right. So you kind of have like a halfway decent, uh, control scheme with the Nintendo 64 controller. So I would use those very often. I would come to a corner and really without even having to, you know, maybe it's because I grew up at the game, but it didn't really take a whole lot of thought to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, press the the right C button to strafe out of this corner so I can be ready to shoot anybody. 
it really came pretty naturally to me and it didn't feel, you know, it, it was different obviously from what you and I are used to and what everybody's used mm-hmm. to nowadays, but uh, it really didn't feel very awkward once, once you did it a few times, it really uh, didn't feel too bad at all. So I got to say for me, and again, it might just be because I grew up with the game, but I did not have a, the you know, I would rather have one dedicated control to moving and one to aiming, but that being the case that I don't, I didn't find this to be very bad at all. Um, so controls are pretty cool for, for me, they were fine. You know, they could be better on a, on a better controller, but for what the N64 offers, I feel like they did a pretty good job with it. Um, another cool thing about the game is that, uh, they use a, this is, this is one of the first games, if not the first game that I played that uses like the, that has cheats that you unlock by doing, uh, basically achievements in game. Um, and if I remember correctly, they're all based on finishing levels in a certain amount of time. And by by finishing, you know, any level, if you finish it under a certain amount of time, it doesn't tell you this, but it doesn't like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it, there's ever like a time limit that says try to finish it in this amount of time. But there is a certain amount of time for each level where if you finish it and under that time, you unlock one or another cheat. It might be, sometimes it's cheats that actually affect gameplay, like invincibility or invisibility or whatever, or like unlock certain weapons. And other times it's more just kind of funny stuff like paintball mode, where when you shoot things like your bullets do the same amount of damage, but it does a paintball splatter on, on the stuff that you shoot. Oh yeah. Um, there's one that's, I, I, I think there's one that gives all the enemies rocket launchers, (laughs) which is like kind of insane, but also really funny. There's tiny mode. There's, there's donkey Kong mode, which gives everybody a big head and giant arms. <laughs> uh, it's awesome looking. And uh, so that was another cool thing. The only thing that I did not get to try, unfortunately, is was the multiplayer. Because I didn't have anybody to play it with. I, was, I started playing this actually a few weeks ago. Because I was uh, planning on meeting up with some friends sometime this month. Uh, that didn't end up happening. Mostly because... Well, actually... This past weekend, I was supposed to have a couple of friends come visit, but I ended up getting sick, so we had to cancel that. So I was hoping to get to play this with them at least a little bit then on multiplayer to kind of see how that holds up. Uh, I hear it does not hold up very well, but but I also heard that the game doesn't hold up very well. So I feel like I would I would probably still enjoy it personally it'll be fun for a little while. Yeah, I think it'll be fun for a little while. Um, but I didn't get to try out the multiplayer. The multiplayer again, if if this isn't a game that you grew up with was huge when it it was a huge yeah, deal when it came it was a out phenomenon. it was a phenomenon it was it, even you like i know jay you're you you said you were not you were not the biggest fan I'm of this you were not the biggest fan growing up but even still like even you <laughs> agree that it was a phenomenon because oh, it, sure. it was just such, like everybody basically everybody just absolutely loved the multiplayer it was you know and it certainly wasn't the first to have your first first it was certainly wasn't the first fps to have a good multiplayer mode but something about this one just uh like the way the levels were laid out the the different the different weapons that you could find they just kind of it didn't do anything revolutionary and really anyway as far as multiplayer as far as multiplayer goes but they just kind of nailed every aspect of it so Multiplayer was really fun playing with, you know, playing with four friends around a TV. It was just absolutely killer. Unfortunately, I didn't get to try that out again, but, uh, 
it was it used to, it at least used to be absolutely fantastic. Um, what am I missing? Am I missing anything? Is there anything else to say about Goldeneye? I feel like I've kind of gushed over it quite a bit. It, I, I honestly feel like it held up pretty well. I, I don't know if I'm, I I don't think I'm going to go back and play the rest of it. I did have fun with what I played. Um, but after about five or six hours, I was like, all right, that was fun. I'm good. Let's let's go on to something else. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Um, yeah. So Goldeneye, I still think it holds up pretty well. Um, for like, Jade, why don't you go and then I'll get to my last one. I'm going to give my throat a break for, for, for a minute, if that's all right. Sure. Be happy to. Uh, so for this episode of the podcast, I played Zombies Ate My Neighbors for the Super Nintendo. Okay. I thought you were going to comment. I, I, you, I always like go too quick and then you comment and I don't want to over talk you. So you I, you caught me while I was drinking water. Um, Perfect. Very familiar with it. I've I've never played. Have you had you played this before? I had watched other people play it, but I had never sat down and played it. It's one of those games that's been kind of in my brain for a long time because I'd heard really good things about it. But like the actual, when I when I had like, listen, people talk about it, I'm like, yeah, at some point I'll probably play it. Okay. Um, but no, I had not played it directly prior to this. Okay. It's not that I can remember. I haven't played it either. Cool. Uh, so this came out in November of 93. Uh, this is obviously for, uh, this is originally for the Super Nintendo, correct? I think so, yeah. Oh, it, was, it was actually, yeah, it was. It was, I'm looking right now. Super Nintendo was September 93. Genesis was uh, November 93. So okay. right around the same time they both came out. And so this is a run and style, a run and gun style game. Um, again, for the Super Nintendo, where you play as a character named Zeke. Um, you can, I, I don't know if you can play as Julie, but there's two, you can play co op. I didn't get a chance to play co op. I only got to play a single player. Uh, to your point, I didn't really have anybody I could play with. So. Uh, and this is a run and style, a run and run and gun style game that involves you basically running around rescuing quote unquote your neighbors from zombies, from different different zombies, uh, and using different types of weapon weaponry and also some interaction with the um, what's it called the the scene the scenario. Uh, you can interact with objects. Environment. Interact environment. With, environment. Thank you. Uh, it's for. like a top down isometric viewpoint, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So uh, basically, you you have a, a you start with a, a basic gun. Um, it has like a certain amount of ammo to it. So you don't have unlimited ammo for all of your weapons. There's like a certain amount you have, and you acquire more as you go through it. I, I don't know what happens if you run out of ammo. I, I would imagine you probably can't uh, can't do anything. But I never got to that point because I just never ran out of ammo. You just have so many different guns and so much ammo for some of them that it seems really difficult to actually run out of ammo. Okay. So the character you play as is uh, very interesting looking. I was I was kind of surprised by the character because I I just I wasn't expecting this. But essentially, the character you play is wearing jeans and a black shirt with a white skull on it. But then he's wearing like those really thick white plastic glasses that basically cover your entire eyes, only leaving like a slit. And then he has kind of like a faux hawk, like really upwardly <laughs> spiky hair. Okay. It just kind of surprised me. Like that was not the character I imagined that was going to be kind of the protagonist of this game. It's it's a criticism. It was just it was just very surprising to me. So, uh, but essentially the primary controls of the game is you have your, you know, you have your, your basic, uh, obviously you can move around. You have, um, your basic gun, which the one you kind of start off with is, is sort of like an Uzi almost. You can, you know, do, you can press the firing button just to fire a single bullet, or you can press and hold it to do sort of an automatic. You can change between a variety of different weapons. There's like a rocket launcher that you can get. There is a, it's like a six pack grenade. It's basically like a six pack of soda that you throw that does like a grenade type mechanic. 
you also get a I, I don't know what it was i think it's like some kind of um like a a weed whacker with a taser on it almost like you basically you get a ton of ammo for it i had like four or five hundred ammo and i was like oh okay but that's a lot of ammo for a weapon and then you you basically press it and the the guy kind of holds it down or the character holds it down kind of like a uh, a weed whacker like he's basically mowing the lawn but it shoots off electricity and you can basically just mow down zombies as you go through the level which it, it's kind of a cool weapon and there, it does have a secondary use as well because you need to clean up like these evil weeds um that you can realistically you can use other guns for it but it's really inefficient for ammo it's actually best to to basically use this gun for it okay so the object of each level is to rescue all of your neighbors and you can either rescue them or they can die. And if you, if they die, you get lower, you get lower point totals. But after all of the neighbors have either been rescued or killed, um, essentially the, um, the level can come to an end and exit appear, uh, spawns next to you. And then you can essentially walk through the door. And that's, that's kind of the whole gist of the game. Now, uh, the first level you play in is, is, you know, very typical kind of backyard. There's fences, there's hedges, there's swimming pools that you can swim in, which some of the neighbors you have to find are in them. And there's different types of neighbors you can find. There's like a baby that has, uh, that gives you like a little bit of points. There's like a dude floating on a floaty that's in his swimming pool that gives you more points. Uh, and there's just a variety of different, different people you can rescue and they each give different point totals based on more or less, I, I guess, how important they are. I don't know. It, 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 that, that part kind of, kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. Okay. So uh, as you're going through the levels, you do have an ability to bring up sort of a, it's not a map, it's a radar that tells you how far away you are from a potential neighbor, but you really have no idea exactly where they are. It just kind of tells you the general direction. As you get closer, you start to understand more and more of, of where they are, so you can kind of work your way there. And it's kind of a puzzle in that regard. So there are doors that you need keys for, or you can use the rocket launcher to blow your way through. This is kind of the environmental piece of it. You can blow your way through doors as well as some of the hedges. Uh, to basically skip over them. There's also these trampolines that are out throughout the levels that you can jump on and then skip over certain parts, which are kind of cool. So you can actually get on them and then jump over a hedge to, to bypass uh, that mechanic of it. In addition to your basic gun, you get these like special items. They're like flasks or there's a couple other mechanics that I didn't really understand too much. I just kind of used them in an oh shit situation. And they basically either like will heal you or they will do substantial damage around you. Like there's a couple different things that you can do uh, that will actually basically keep you alive. So they're kind of like an oh shit type cooldown. Um, so the levels, each level has a different scene to it. So the first one was like a backyard neighborhood. The one that is the most memorable without question is, I don't remember, the levels have kind of creative names to them that sort of tell you generally what you're gonna be seeing throughout it. Um, the level that I'm thinking of, it's a hedge maze, but there are a ton of J... Oh, I should mention this. The zombies are generally pretty easy to avoid. They spawn consistently or, or like uh, continuously. So even if you kill them, you will still have to deal with them as they respawn. So there is that thing that is kind of annoying at times because you'll be fighting one zombie and then another one will spawn behind you. You'll turn around to kill the one behind you and then the one you killed before will respawn. Oh, gosh. So it, it can get kind of overwhelming at times, but you can, you can kind of just kite and kite and kite. Um... In the level of the hedges, there is a Jason zombie with a chainsaw, and he runs you down in the street. You cannot outrun him. You cannot outrun him. And when you when you shoot him a lot, he doesn't die. He just gets knocked on his butt, and then he gets up after a couple more seconds and chases Damn. you down. What do you do? How do you deal with them? him? You don't. You just fucking run, and you you pray to God that he does not find you. Because the second he finds you, he just sprints you down, and then he does like a three sixty while using his uh, chainsaw. 
and it does a it does an entire piece of your life, which you have like eight hit points or something. And and if you die, then you have a certain number of lives. So it's it's not like the game's over, but you basically at certain points, I just kind of took a hit from him just to run past him. And then I was like, okay, I'll kite him huh. to the hedge maze. Like I'll just try to get away from him as quickly as possible. He uses the chainsaw on the hedges to continue chasing you. And if there's multiples of them, they just sprint at you and you cannot get away from them. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to get to this level as quickly as possible. I am going to, and they killed a lot of my neighbors, by the way. As I said, like you can either rescue the neighbors or they can die due to the zombies. A lot of my neighbors died during that level because I was just like, nope, I'm just going to stay away from these people. I'm going to let them die and I'll just go to the next level. It was by far the hardest level I've done so far. Uh, the, the, those Jason things were terrifying. I just wanted to get away from them. As, as quickly as possible. There was just no way in hell I was going to deal with <laughs> was it. Is it a situation where it like is actually anxiety inducing when you see one yes. or is it just, Oh really? Okay. Yeah, and I should say the music in this game is really good. And each level has its own unique theme to it. And it's not the, the tracks are pretty short, but it's not to a point where it's noticeable or repetitive. The tracks are pretty creative. They add some ambiance to each one of the levels. And the one for the Jason one is kind of eerie. And it just adds another layer layer of like, get me out of this level. Like I do not want to be in this level anymore. Wow. So, um, but yeah, so this, this, you know, basically the game is you play through as far as you can get until you run out of lives. And then obviously you you can start over. There's a password system. So you can uh, try to get back to where you are and continue on. It's not a, it's not an obnoxiously difficult game uh, by all means. It's kind of, it, it's a good balance of difficulty. The earlier levels really kind of get you warmed up to do it. And then it really became a battle of attrition for me at a certain point where I was like, okay, I don't want to use any of my special weapons unless I need to. And then I would only use them in really tough situations. Otherwise, I would just try to use my basic gun. Or in certain cases, I just wouldn't engage because there's not really a point to fighting monsters or the zombies, rather. They just kind of drain your ammo and it risks you taking some additional damage. There's also a ton of secrets in this game. As I talked about, you can interact with the environment. There is uh, some of the environment where you can basically like walk through it and it's not like 100% obvious. So you have to kind of, you know, there, there's certain parts where like, oh, there's an item in there. How do I get there? Well, I can't get there without blowing up the wall. And it's like, well, the game probably wouldn't require you to have a rocket launcher at this point. So I'm just going to try and walk through a bunch of walls and then boom, okay, I can walk through these hedges right here. And then I ultimately get the item. So it makes it, you know, a little bit easier. Sure. I should say as well, for those who have played Secret of Evermore, the main character shoots a rocket launcher the same way the main character in Secret of Evermore does. It basically like blows him off his feet backwards in a really exaggerated motion, which I'm sure it would if you were shooting a rocket launcher, it would. But it's just funny because it reminded me a lot of uh, Secret of Evermore because it really throws your character back and then the screen shakes quite a bit. There's a pretty <laughs> big recoil on the rocket launcher, which is pretty cool. Um, otherwise, it's pretty darn fun. This game uh, holds up, I would say it holds up reasonably well. It was It, it exceeded my expectations for sure. The quality of the game is is really good. It it definitely holds up well. It is something that you could definitely sit down and play, especially the co-op, I'd imagine, would be really fun. Uh, I imagine the screen sharing would be kind of annoying after a while, but I think the overall... I think when you come out, this would be one of those fun games we could sit down and, and definitely play for a few hours oh, and have cool, some okay. fun with it. Like It seems to hold up pretty darn well. Um, It sounds like... Tell me if this is... It sounds like a game that can... Besides just the, the, the guy that chases you, it sounds like... It, it sounds a little stressful. I don't know why exactly, but is that just me? Not too bad. The one level was the one level with Jason was uh, the Jason uh, was, was pretty annoying. Is it, is it, yeah, Jason's the one with the chainsaw, right? No, you're thinking of Leatherface, right? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of Leatherface. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, it's funny because I swear he's wearing a mask in this. So, well, it's I probably know, like I mean, it's probably like an amalgamation of 
horror tropes, I would assume, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. There's a lot of horror tropes in this as well. I, I can't call a lot of them. I'm not really good at identifying tropes like that, but I definitely felt like certain levels, especially the names of them. I'm like, this is a call. This is a callback to something like this is this is very intentional. Uh, you also fight more or less Frankenstein's mo uh, Frankenstein's monster at some point, which is kind okay. of like the mini boss. It's the only mini boss that I fought. And it was uh, it was decent. Like the fight wasn't it was kind of like a blow it up before you die type thing, but also there were some mechanics to it that you could avoid if you did it well. And um, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It, I was expecting the, the bosses to just be like really beefy things that you just blow a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, cooldowns yeah, on yeah. to try and get through. It, it wasn't like that. There, there was definitely some of that, but it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it would be in, in that regard. So. Okay. Uh, apparently there was 48 levels too. I'm reading right now. Damn. That seems like a lot. Yeah. So How far did it was, you it was really How far did um, you I got to like level eight or nine, I think. I, I I think I was getting close to the second boss. So it probably took me eight or nine is the first I got. I didn't use any passcodes. I would I started from the beginning every time because I just wanted to like build up my arsenal of weapons. And I probably spent like at least a few hours playing this. So uh it, it definitely was is it's pretty fun. Like I actually enjoy playing this. It wasn't too much of a grind. It was a nice game to sit down and play for like 30, 45 minutes and then you know, take a break and come back at another time and give another shot. Gotcha. Yeah, I hear a lot of... Uh, this game has a lot of fans, I think. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the reviews are actually really high. I didn't realize that. But yeah, it makes sense. I mean, people talk really highly about this game, so it's not super surprising. Sweet. Okay. Is that all you've got? Yeah, I'm going to open my door real quick. It's getting really hot in here. Okay. Right back. Go for it. Uh, I was right. It was a weed whacker as well. I'm okay. What was the weed whacker? Oh, the, no, weapon, weapon. the thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, I'll write down something. Okay, my last game, the the main one that I have for this episode is also a game with featuring zombies. This is, you may have heard of it, Resident Evil for PlayStation One. This came out in 1996, and after I finished Resident Evil Village, the newest one that I loved so much, I really wanted to go back and try out some of the older uh, Resident Evil games. Um, I did play this one when it originally came out, and my memory of it was that it was a very confusing and at times frustrating ordeal where you're wandering around a mansion, finding various uh, keys and, like, crystals and and other things that fit into certain slots that unlock stuff to give you more stuff to take around and unlock other things. And I remember getting lost a lot and uh, ultimately kind of giving up because the game was so kind of just difficult in that way. And it's exactly how I remember it. Uh, I did finish the whole game. I will say that I did with the, with the help of a guide, I, I did beat the game, but everything that I remembered about the game was was just spot on. I was like, maybe, you know, I was not really young when I played it. I get, you know, I was 13 when this game came out. Um, but I was like, you know, maybe I, with a little patience, it'll be a little easier this time around. I'll, I'll make, I'll kind of like make a mental note of where the things are on the map when I go to, you know, when I find locked doors and this kind of stuff. No, none of that helped at all. It's a very difficult game in many ways. But let's back up a little bit. Resident Evil 
I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's a survival horror game. Uh, certainly not one of the first. I, I, the earliest survival horror game I played was Alone in the Dark, which predated this quite a bit. But uh, but this was a game that kind of like I would say caused sort of a survival horror boom. It was like one of the first really popular survival horror games. I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, the story is that there in Raccoon City there are some kind of weird murders murders happening. Uh, you you are part of a special kind of sort of law enforcement team, uh, kind of somewhere in between law enforcement and military. Although I think you are law enforcement ultimately. Uh, that is called Stars. I forgot what it stands for, but it stands for something, and. One star's team goes to investigate what's going on in Raccoon City and they all go missing. So now your star's team is going to go is going in to find out what happened to them and just what what's happening in general. So the game opens with it with a, with an FMV cutscene that's very fun to watch just because they these always are. Uh, you find their helicopter. You see it in some big open field. You land there. You and your team gets out, and you're checking it out, and all of a sudden these kind of very ferocious, seemingly rabid dogs uh, start chasing after you. Everyone runs. Few people don't make it. Three of you end up taking refuge in a mansion. And the mansion is where pretty much 90% of the game uh, takes place. Once you get into this mansion, you got your, you kind of... Uh, are like, all right, what do we do now? Well, let's just start, let's start looking around. Of course, well, actually, they I was about to say, of course, they all split up, but actually you don't split up at first. At the very first, at the very beginning of the game, you're like, it's you and two other people. And uh, they kind of say, let's go explore. You do stick with somebody, at least in the playthrough I did. There are, there are two different characters you can play as, and the two playthroughs are slightly different. Um, I played as Jill. And uh, Jill... With Jill, you go off with uh, this other guy, Barry. It's you, Barry, and I guess I think Adam Wesker is the other one. And uh, Adam West at first, huh? Adam West. Is, I think it's Adam West. Is it his name is Adam, right? I'm not making that up. Let's see, Wesker. I think so. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Albert Wesker. Albert. Really? Albert. Really? Okay, Albert Wesker. Um. You and Barry go off to explore and Albert goes his own way. And uh, is it him? I know he's in the rest of the game. I'm trying to remember if he's the other one who's there with you at the start. Regardless, you go start exploring. Um, One of the first things that you come across is a famous scene in Resident Evil history where you walk into this one room and there's... What you learn momentarily is a zombie, but you can't really tell that at first. You just see a, a like a human figure leaning over a corpse, and it's eating it. And uh, as you walk up to it, it, tur- it goes to this uh, cutscene where the zombie that's eating the corpse slowly turns around and looks at you, and his face is all covered in blood. And then he stands up and starts walking at you, and then and then you take back over uh, control of the character. It's just kind of an iconic scene in video games. Yep. <laughs> I remember when my when my sister 
uh, tried playing this, and she came across that scene, and she was, she was like actually traumatized from it. Uh, and so you find so so from that that point, clearly you see that there are zombies or zombie like uh, you know things in this house. And it all kind of just goes from there. You you encounter, you know, most of the bad guys that you see, at least for the first probably 60 or 70% of the game are zombies. Although there are other things. There are some more of those dogs that we talked about. There's a famous, another famous part where you're walking down a hallway and uh, these dogs jump through a window and just scares the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. Even this time, knowing it, knowing it was coming, it still scared the shit out of me. Something about the timing and the sound of that they they just nailed it absolutely perfectly and it's still so scary when it happens but there's other stuff there are giant spiders on some parts there's this giant there's this enormous snake that you have to fight a couple times it's more of a boss type monster but things like that um so gameplay wise what you're doing is exploring the mansion and basically trying to find out like what the hell is going on and like, how can I get out of here? You can't go out the front, the, 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 you can't go out the front door because there are dogs out there. And I didn't actually, uh, try this because I didn't, uh, no, I didn't know about it, but apparently there's like a really bad FMV cutscene where if you try to just walk out the front door, then like the dogs start trying to attack you and you have to slam the door back shut. It's supposed to be really funny. I, I didn't get to check it out for myself though, just cause I didn't think to do that. But so what you're doing is you're walking around the mansion, avoiding or killing the zombies. And as I said earlier, finding keys to unlock doors that will give you other things that will unlock other things. And eventually you unlock enough stuff to where you get into not even out of the mansion, but into kind of like other connected spaces to the mansion. So like you might find a. So like original, like when you first start exploring, you're going to come across a lot of locked doors. And a lot of them say, oh, this door has a symbol of a shield on it or this door has a symbol of an armor of armor on it. Uh, eventually you find a key that has a shield on it, a key that has armor. And of course, those unlock the corresponding doors. There are other things that are like slightly more puzzly, like uh, there's one room that has a lot of paintings and... Um, there's something that says there's some plaque somewhere that says something about the journey from life's beginning to end. And as you examine the paintings, they are of different, like one is of a baby, one's of a young boy, one's of a, like a young man, one's of an old man and so on and so forth. And you're supposed to push these buttons on the paintings in the order in chronological order of like the character's life. And when you do that, if if you do it incorrectly, then I think what happens is all these crows attack you that are that are hanging out in that room. But if you do it right, then it unlocks something and you get, I don't even remember in that case, it's always a key or a weapon or something of that sort. There's also a uh, tiger like kind of statue somewhere and it says something about some tigers have a red eye and a blue eye. And then later on you find a red crystal and so if you figure out the easy, you know, relatively easy puzzle, you want to go back to that tiger statue and put the red crystal in it, in its eye, and it'll give you something. And then later when you find the blue crystal, you put in the other eye and, it, and you get something else out of it. So it's things like that. What makes it so hard is, well, there are a few things, but kind of one of the biggest things, in my opinion, that keeps it hard is it's so easy to get lost and it's so difficult to remember 
where anything is. Um, part of this is because of the camera angles. So the, the game is very, does a very good job of keeping the focus on the horror of the situation. It never begins to feel like an action game. It always feels like a survival horror game. You can always tell that they're, that their number one, uh, priority at, at all times is to just keep the game as scary as they can at any given point. So part of this is they use very dramatic camera angles for all different rooms, kind of whatever will accentuate, accentuate the sort of weirdness or the horror of the room that you're in, or just make things feel a little bit more tense or dramatic or whatever it may be. They use different camera angles for that. So it's not all so like you might walk into a door that's at the top of the screen. And then when you come out, you know, it's, it could be on the side of the screen at the bottom of the screen. It could be anything. Um, or it's always different and, and it's, you know, might maybe sometimes it's kind of like down looking up. Sometimes it's up looking down at you. Sometimes you're behind the character. Sometimes you're in front of the character, just whatever's best from kind of like a cinematic point of view. That makes it very easy to get lost because it's kind of hard to keep your orientation, but also the mansion is kind of almost designed like a maze. Like there's, it, there's all these weird, like L shaped hallways, U shaped hallways, some str- some straight hallways, some hallways that have like just little alcoves here and there. Every hallway seems to have a hundred doors attached to it. Every door leads to more doors. It's Mordor? just, <laughs> yeah, more door. Every lead, every door leads to more door. Um, it's, it, it's just, there are so many hallways and doors of all different shapes and sizes that like, it is just impossible. It's impossible to keep up with the what's what even, even with the, like, the game gives you a map. Like, there's a map. Like, in-game, there's a map. It doesn't help. It doesn't matter. It's so, so hard to keep track of what was where. You have to write it down or be, like, you know, you referring to some sort of map that, that ha- you know, that you have printed off that has stuff labeled or, or whatever it might be. Um, and then even on top of that, if you're not using a guide, it, it takes forever to check out everything, find stuff then find a key and then it even assuming you even know where the key goes finding your way back to that room getting back even if you know where it is sometimes it's just a long time to get back to one room or the other and then go into that room to see what it has again in the meantime there are zombies all over the place and there's very there well there's pretty limited ammo throughout the whole game there's also limited uh healing items so you get these herbs that are that that you can use to heal there are a fair amount of them, but there are definitely not a lot. You, you always feel the pinch on the ammo and on the healing items. So it's always kind of like a, you kind of always have to, you kind of have to gauge every situation when you come across a zombie, like, can I just run past this one? Hmm. Or, or do I need to, or do I need to attack? Because if you're not a hundred percent sure, if you can run past him, then you're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to waste an herb trying to get past him and maybe he's going to latch onto me and, and, and bite me and I'm going to take damage. But at the same time, I, I think maybe I can, so I don't want to waste the ammo. So there's always that kind of, you're all, you're very often stuck in a situation where you're trying to determine, can I just run past this guy or not? Sometimes it's very clear. Sometimes you definitely say, there's no way I, this, this is a small hallway. He's just right in the middle of it. There's no way I'm getting past this dude without just killing him. 
So in that, in those cases, yes, it's, it's, it's easy to, to figure out. It's easy to decide what to do, but there are a lot of in-between cases where you really have to kind of gauge the situation just the best you can. Um, there are occasional boss battles where you fight like, you know, a bigger, more stronger monster. There, there's a giant snake that I talked about. There's several, there's not a lot of them. There's maybe, I want to say like six boss battles in the whole game. Um, something roughly. So, uh, you know, there, there are those, they're, they're definitely not a focus of the game, but they do come up. Um, you, later on, you do get out of the mansion itself and you kind of explore some of the surrounding stuff. That's still kind of like part of the same property. You go outside for a little while you go into, there's a catacomb section, which is kind of just kind of terrible. It's, it's more, well, it's equally confusing. They, they, they crammed the same amount of confusion into a smaller area is, is what I'll say there. It's very confusingly laid out, but luckily it's not nearly as big as the mansion. So that helps a little bit. Basically, if you're going to play this game, just use a guide. Like don't, I tried for the first about 20 minutes to play without using a guide. And I was just like, no, not going to happen. You really, really just need to use a guide. I would have more, more than, I probably would have tripled my, my, my final play time if I had, uh, not used a guide, maybe even more than that. Uh, so definitely use a guide if you're going to try to play this game. Um, what else there are? Oh, later on, there are, uh, you, you, there, a new kind of bad guy comes, comes around and instead of zombies throughout the mansion, you do. So I said, like you get out of the mansion at one point and you go explore some other stuff. Eventually you have to go back into the mansion to do more things. When you get to that point, uh, there is this kind of scary scene where right once you get back to the mansion, it jumps to this other, this kind of new bad guy's point of view and it shows him r- just run, just racing to exactly where you just went. And, uh, then it, then as soon as the cutscene's over, he's right there, like almost just on top of you. It's this new kind of bad guy called, uh, hunters. And they are these green kind of humanoid monsters. And they're even still, they're pretty scary because they're these, these green monsters, they have huge claws and they slowly walk towards you for a few, for like three or four seconds. And then they just go balls out and they like chase you down. Or sometimes they jump at you and they're always swiping at you. They are like, but, but the way that they start off just looking at you and not even doing anything at first, and then just slowly walking towards you, you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, and then they like, and then they bust out and go all in. They like really did a good job of making those guys really scary. Um, as you're do as you're going through all this, uh, you occasionally are finding journals and stuff that kind of slowly reveals the uh, the story of what happened here, kind of the secrets of what exactly is going on, what what happened to to Raccoon City. What what does this particular mansion have to do with it and, and the people who are in it? Um, lots of good stuff. Some complaints. Again, my biggest complaint are is is kind of just how difficult it is to find things and to get around and how confusing everything is. A few more complaints. You have a very very limited inventory. You have eight slots. Okay. Um, 
your weapon takes up a slot. Your ammo takes up a slot. Most of the time, you're going to have two keys on you. That's two more. So that's four slot. That's half of your inventory taken up by weapon, ammo, key, key. Okay. Then often you're going to want at least one healing item, right? Maybe two. So that's two more, one or two more. Then you've got only just two or three spots left. That's two or three spots to, first off, not have a second weapon. If you want a second weapon, that's going to take up another spot, and then you're really screwed. Um, Then, if you have something that you need to take somewhere, that's going to take up a spot. Then when you are wandering around discovering things, there's a good chance you're going to find another item. That takes up a spot. And at this point, you're probably full. And then that's not to... That's not even to consider when you're going to find other uh, healing herbs, for instance. There were so many times where I had to leave these herbs behind because I was like, well, I've only got two spots left in my inventory. I don't want to I don't want to take these up. I guess I'm just going to leave this behind or either that or equally annoyingly. I'd be like, all right, let's just take everything I can. I'd grab everything I could then run back to the uh, the same. So. There are save locations. There, there are rooms in the house where there are typewriters, which if you're familiar with the Resident Evil series, typewriters are what you use to save your game. They all have a uh, like a big item box in them. And you can store stuff there. And anything you've put in, in an item box, it like you can access that from any other item box in any other room. Thankfully, they were a little bit they were a little bit merciful there by giving you the item box to at least store stuff in and access it from any other item box. But still that meant, okay, I'm going to either leave these herbs behind or grab as many as I can run fucking four or five minutes to the nearest item box, dump off whatever I can, then go back out and then pick up back up with what I was trying to do in the first place. So that gets, very, very annoying trying to manage your uh, your inventory. Um, what else? Uh, okay, so the tank controls are a little bit annoying, but they're they're kind of like a necessary, kind of om- almost almost I'd say a halfway necessary uh, evil for this game because due to the way the the camera angles change from all the different rooms that you go to, uh, you've probably heard tank controls. You've probably played a game with tank controls. You don't just directly control the movement of the character up, for instance, when you press up on the D-pad, that always walks forward just whichever the way just whichever way the character's facing. Uh, so, you know, wherever they're facing, you press up to walk that direction. To turn them, you press left and right, and that just they just stand still and rotate, and down walks backwards. So like and they rotate pretty slowly. So if you're in a fight and getting just like swarmed by hunters or whatever it might be, it's very difficult to turn. You can't turn. You just can't turn quickly. There's no way to do it. You have to just like stop moving, turn, you know, sit there and rotate on an axis for a second and then start trying to shoot. And hopefully they didn't start attacking you in the meantime. Probably they did start attacking you, you in the meantime and you're just going to take damage. Uh, and also a lot of the times it's, well, about half the time, it's sort of difficult to tell where you're aiming. Uh, it's really difficult to tell if you're aiming just right to where you're actually going to hit them 
because of the camera angles. And also, sometimes you're aiming at them, but they're off screen. So you just straight up don't know if you're aiming at them just right. They might be right in front of you, but due to the again, due to the camera angle, they're off screen. So you don't know if you're aiming quite right. Um, another thing, so I mentioned how easy it is to get lost. My biggest gripe is that you have limited uh, saves. You find ink ribbons throughout the game and you have to use an ink ribbon to save and it, and it, and it burns the ink ribbon when you use it. I've, just like everything else, there are a limited amount of these. So, like that alone just sucks. I, I hate, 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 hate the idea that I can't just say, not not even just saving whenever I want, but you can't even save however many times you want. You get back to a safe room that's got a typewriter. You might not necessarily be able to save your game if you don't have an if you if you don't have any ink ribbons on you, or if you don't want to burn an ink ribbon. So that just straight up sucks to me. Um, that's especially combined with think about how easy it is to get lost and think about your limited inventory and needing a walkthrough and all this. Imagine all this combined with limited saves. You might like be, maybe you don't want to burn an ink ribbon. Maybe you have some, but you're like, Oh, I'm not sure yet. Let's do a little bit more exploration. Then I'll come back. Well, you might just stumble into a boss battle without knowing that you're about to, if you're not, if you're not using a walkthrough, then you're just, if you don't win that boss battle on your first try, then you're screwed out of however much time it was since you last saved. Since you last saved, it might be 30 minutes. It might be an hour. Even with the walkthrough, it, it was a little bit stressful deciding when to save. I would be like, "All right," and also not even deciding when to save, but deciding like, "Am I going to play right now?" Because I don't want to play for just five or ten minutes, because that means I'm going to burn an ink ribbon on just ten minutes of progress. So like that really played heavily into my enjoyment of the game. I'd be like, all right, I've got an hour. Let's sit down. Let me see how far I can get in an hour. And then, uh, and then I'll use an ink ribbon. So that, that's just not a fun way to, to consume a game. Um, these complaints versus the kind of all of the other aspects of the game are really done pretty well. Like, as I said, the combat's not great, but but really, even though it's an important part of the game, it's not a focus of the game. The game, the, the focus of the game is just kind of creating a a scary situation. Uh, the with these complaints versus kind of the rest of the stuff that I think the game does pretty well. Honestly, the complaints. Uh, Though few in number, they weigh very heavily, very heavily on the overall mm. enjoyment of the game. Um, I this is a I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. I would recommend if if you want to play Resident Evil, if you want to go back to the beginning and play Resident Evil, I would recommend playing the remake. The remake, the Resident Evil 1 remake is supposed to be really good. This game has a lot of issues and is very frustrating to deal with. Unless you're very patient and just love stuff like this, I would say I, I can't recommend it. I, I don't see myself ever going back and playing this again. I, I don't 
regret playing through it the time that I did. And I kind of am oddly interested to continue on. I don't really know why, but I, I just cannot recommend this game. The, 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 the downsides really out outweigh all of the good stuff that it does for me. Unfortunate. Yeah, it sucks. I, I, as I said, I did play through the whole thing. I think my final playthrough time was like, not that long, really like six and a half hours, but that's not counting in, of course, the times that I died and lost a shitload of progress. I probably Mm -hmm. played it about double that 10 or 12, I'd say. Um, and again, that's using a guide. I 100% you really, really, really need to use a guide if you're playing this. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't recommend it. I would say play the remake if, if you want to go back and experience the original Resident Evil story. Uh, and I might even play that sometime down the road because I, there's something about the Resident Evil universe that I do kind of like, especially now that I played a Resident Evil Village and liked it so much. So, uh, yeah, but just the gameplay just really, I would say it doesn't hold up, but I don't even know if it was that great to begin with. Cause as I said, it was pretty much exactly what I remembered. <laughs> Final note. <laughs> there is, oh, well, uh, one thing is you also occasionally will like run, stumble back across your, your, your partners when you like, th- as you're progressing through the game, like we talked mm-hmm. about this on the last episode with Travis, Barry is always running around like just showing up randomly being like, oh, hey. I found something. Take this. And he's like, here, take this shotgun. You take these explosive, take this explosive ammo that I found. It's really kind of like weird and, and humorous. There's one. So the, the, there, the, the voice acting is really bad. And I'll get to that in a second, but there's one, there's one really, I found this just like, it's a very quick thing, but it's a very funny interaction that you have with Barry at one point. There's a part where, it's the second time you fight the spoilers. It's the second time you fight um, the snake boss. The first time, evidently you didn't kill him all the way and you've got to fight him again later on. And after you kill him, of course there's this enormous giant, like, you know, the snake like takes up the whole room. That's how big it is. And uh, when you kill him, there's this giant dead snake on the ground. Barry runs in the room and he goes, Jill, have you found anything interesting? <laughs> but real quick, I, I want to pull, I, I want to play two um, short voice acted scenes. Just, just so you can hear how, just how hard, like it is laughably bad. It is so bad. It's good, bad voice acting. Uh, Jay, I'm going to give you this link. And, um, Go first. Go to seventeen seconds. Okay. I'm gonna play the. I'm gonna play from seventeen to thirty-eight seconds on on this one. Don't open seconds. that door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seventeen seconds. Don't open Ready. that door. All right. Uh, sorry. I, I, all right. Go. Don't open that door. But Chris's. What the hell? What is it? Maybe it's Chris. What is it? (laughs) Now, Jill, can you go? I'm going with you. Chris is our old partner, you know. Okay, let me handle this. (laughs) Okay, and of course, I love, don't open that door. 
Um, but, but of course the other one is going to have to be the Jill sandwich scene. Uh, this, so the, so the context here, Jay, this is three, um, where oh, I lost it three fifty two, And it just goes to four Oh two. Uh, so the context here, you've probably heard me talk about it if you hadn't already heard it yourself. Um, the context is Jill is in this room. She gets stuck in this room where the ceiling is is slowly going down to crush her and Barry saves her by coming up and like busting the door open. All right, you ready? Yep. Go. Wait, wait, what time is this, sorry? Three, 3.52. 3.52, sorry. I was a little bit off. Okay. Tell me when. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Go. Oh, Barry! That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> You're right. Barry, thanks oh. for saving my life. <laughs> it does not get old. <laughs> the voice acting this is questionable at best. Oh, yeah, the voice acting. And this one, it's the perfect combination of voice acting and just hilarious, <laughs> hilarious lines. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love how he sort of like laughs a little. You're almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> it's crazy that he says that given the circumstance. Like, if I was in that circumstance, I would not be joking. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd be like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, not to mention, we're like surrounded by fucking zombies. Yep. Uh, anyway, there there is plenty more where that came from. The voice acting throughout the whole game is just so, so bad. Uh, these are just two of my favorite ones, but so, yeah, um, I'm glad I played through it, but again, I I wouldn't do it again and I wouldn't recommend anybody else do it. Jay, uh, did you play, I, you've played this, I assume, right? I mean, like everybody has a long time ago. I played code Veronica more, but I I have played this as well. Okay. Thoughts. Uh, it, it was really terrifying. It, it was, uh, to your point, a little bit traumatizing at, at times. This, is, it, this was a horrifying game. And you talked about a couple of the key specific scenes that really stick out. And for me, those will, I mean, I'm sure they're, they're not as scary as they were as when I was a kid. But damn, those really stuck out to me. Yeah. Snitch Drunk, uh, let's, let's go to you. What have you been playing? Uh, you know, I really haven't been able to play uh, a whole lot lately. Sorry. Oh, okay. All right, so there you have it. There's, so we talked about Battle Wheels. We talked about GoldenEye. We talked about uh, Zombies, Ate My Neighbors, and Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, hold on. I need to mark down one more thing. And then we're going to move on to emails. Jay, why don't you take our first email, if you don't mind. I'm going to give sure. my voice another rest. This one is from... Mike, right? Yes, Mike. Um, Mike, uh, I, I'm sorry that I missed your last email. He, he actually sent this last time and I somehow missed it. So uh, it's a little bit long, so I'm going to chop it up into a couple pieces and I'll uh, paste it in our chat. You can, you're going to roll with it. Okay. If I do upload it as a file, does it just do plain text file? I have no idea. I know it's not, it's not, it's never what you think it is in discord. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, upload. Okay. It's not. Yes. Do it. It's not, <laughs> it's not working. Okay. We're just going to take, we're just going to come on discord. Bear work with me here. Let's try this again. 
No, stop. Oh my gosh. Like I said. We need to go back to the Google Doc that we You want let's do you still have that? Not on hand now. Okay. Um then just all right, you go with this and I'll just keep pacing little little pieces as you're reading it. Cool. Uh, Mike says, hello again, CGP. Let me start off by telling... Oh, I'm going to wait for you to actually finish. Basically. Okay, all right. This is, okay, that's the last one. Go okay. Ahead. He says... So I'm scrolling back up through it. Uh, he says... Oh my gosh. It's way longer than I expected. Sorry, I'm almost at the top. There we go. Okay. Let me start off by telling you, your listeners, that I am indeed a real person and not Jay writing fake emails. Yeah, that's a really good way to get people convinced. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Good one, Jay. Uh, good yes, good try, Jay. Give... Yeah, right? Yes, I did give high praise to Final Fantasy Tactics, but I noticed I did not use the super, super fun in describing it, <laughs> or the phrase super, super fun in describing it. That should have been a dead giveaway, but I wanted to clear up any potential confusion. Speaking of Jay, congratulations and welcome to the Merry Club. As a member of the club for almost six years, I can tell you the next thing you will encounter are people constantly asking you for some form of question, when are you going to have kids? Yeah, we've uh, we've kind of put that to bed already. So I, I hopefully that is not a common thing we hear too much. But usually people who know us know that we're not interested. So uh, Mike goes on to say, it's part of the evolution of questions that people ask others who are in long-term committed relationships. When you have been dating your significant other for a while, it starts off with, when are you going to get married? Once you're married, the questions about kids come up. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, once you do have a kid, then the question becomes, when are you going to have another? <laughs> These are the kind of questions people usually mean well when asking them, but I I know it can get annoying hearing them over and over and again. Anyways, I know I'm an often bit of a tangent, so I'll get back to the subject of classic games. Hold on, let me, let me, back, let me back up just a second. Jay, first off, have you gotten any of this yet? Yeah, of course. But I mean, most of my family at this point is, is pretty well well aware, except for my senile grandparents, but everybody's pretty aware that at least I have no intention of having kids ever. So, uh, Yeah, that's... that's. I don't think I've, I've really had to deal with this myself because uh, I got married fair... Not like too young, but like just, just like kind of on the lower, on the younger end of, of what's normal, I'd say. So I, I didn't ever have like me and my wife did never have our parents like when are you gonna get married when are you gonna get married because we got married like just before we graduated college so no you know mm-hmm. certainly nobody was pushing us to get married and then like we had kids or we had a kid I guess how long it was three years after that so again fairly soon we didn't have people pressuring us all the time but yes I know that it's very annoying like. I've seen it with other people. Just don't do that. Just don't like, first off, don't, don't pester people for when they're going to get married. Second off, don't pester them for when they're going to have kids. It's just fucking annoying. And also another thing like with the kids situation is that sometimes people are not, sometimes people are trying to have kids and it's not working out. And then when you ask them about that, that, kind of just opens up a lot of wounds that you don't realize you're opening up. So don't just don't ask. Just don't do that. Yep. Okay, go ahead. Uh, he said, I was crushed when I heard you are no longer do the top fives, but I understand your reasoning for doing so. Thankfully, I made it in time for the top 10 games of 1996. Uh, when coming up with my list, I realized I had not played many games that were released in North America in 1996. That was the year I started kindergarten, so my classic gaming experience mainly pertains to late 90s and early, excuse me, and 2000s. Nevertheless, I will still give this a a shot. 
number eight or number 10 through eight excuse me crash bandicoot tomb raider and duke nukem 3d i'm listing these in no particular order since i have never played these games but i can't deny the impact that they had seven sonic 3d blast my only memories of this game is playing it on the gamecube sonic collection and it might be worse the worst sonic game i've ever played it was a 3d isometric sonic game that was very slow and awkward to control I don't think I played it beyond the first set of levels. Not much else to so say. So he didn't like a lot of games from 96 if his number seven is a game that is one of the yeah, worst right? he's ever played. Okay. I'm kind of curious what he says here. So number six, Star Wars Shadow of the Empire. I remember renting this game and thinking it was cool at the time, but this strikes me as the kind of game that does not hold up well at all. It does not. Spoilers. Uh, number five, Wave Race 64. Now we are getting in the games I truly enjoyed. This is one of those games that was way better when played with friends. Um... Number four, Super Mario RPG. I did not play this game until a year ago. Growing up with Paper Mario, excuse me, Paper Mario and Paper Mario A Thousand Year Door, I figured I would love this game. I enjoyed it, but I thought it was a bit overrated. It's charming for sure, and the game's uh, game's world and dialogue are done really well, but this is one of the games I think I would have liked better had I grown up with it. I still would recommend it to any classic gaming enthusiast, but it did not live up to the praise I had heard. Uh, Number four, Three, Donkey Kong Country 3. I know both of you are not crazy about Donkey Kong Country games. Me more so than Robert. But uh, but I played through the trilogy multiple times and loved it. This game came out at the end of Super Nintendo's life cycle, so it often, often gets overlooked in comparison to the first two games. Number two, Kirby Superstar. This was the first game I ever beat 100% and was my most played SNES game. Uh, it was easy enough for my seven-year-old self to get into, but challenging enough that I had to spend countless hours until I finally beat it. I still enjoy this game. Uh, to this very day. The variety of game mechanics, level design, and Nintendo charm make this game timeless for me. Number one, Super Mario 64. This one is obvious, and I don't much... Excuse me. I don't have much to say that it hasn't already been said on the podcast. My most memorable experiences with this game was my nine-year-old self being traumatized by the freaking eel in Jolly Roger Bay. I developed a huge fear of underwater levels in games that took me very few... that took me a few years to get over. I have no problem with that level today, but the eel still creeps me out. Gentlemen, um, as always, yeah, that eel was really terrifying. The eel, I, that made me realize, we've talked plenty about the Sonic uh, traumatizing, like, uh, water level, where it's got the music. And, <laughs> yep, and the very stressful Ninja Turtles one, where you're diffusing the bombs or whatever. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just an idiot, but I never considered that they were all underwater levels i was like oh yeah it's the music for this and all oh, yeah it's about what it was about like the time limit on this one and then when he when you when we were reading this just now i was like oh that was underwater oh yeah just like the other one so i i guess it's it's underwater is like a common theme of all these traumatizing uh levels yeah i think that's that's spot on i've always kind of thought that about underwater levels so uh, gentlemen, as always, a pleasure listening to your show and writing in. Hope you two are having a good summer, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Um, I just got a uh, my my daughter just texted me a picture of a drawing that she drew when she was very little. I was wondering. Where I this just came from. I just sent it to Jay when he was reading that. Um, and I I actually remember I may have even brought this up originally on the podcast when she did it. I remember telling somebody, but uh. It's a picture of like just some random kind of like alien sort of character that she came up with <laughs> and she just wrote fuck next to it. That's fuck f.u.c 
and in parentheses future undercover. <laughs> so that Good was Lord. that was the character's name, and she Get very some work cut out here, Robert. She very innocently just named it fuck, and uh, she just she just evidently found that picture, and and now she realizes what's so funny about it, or she now she realizes that it is funny, and she just sent me a picture of it. Uh, so yeah, there's there's the there's that Jay. I thought you'd like to see that. I appreciate it, Robert. Yeah. Okay. Um, next one is from Father Beast. Father Beast says, uh, he says, okay, a bunch of stuff. I'll try to be brief. First off, the games review from 25 years ago. I want to mention a couple of stinkers that are on my list to never play ever. Battle Cruiser 3000 AD and Bad Mojo. And now for my top five of 96, Simcopter. Back when I could check out PC games from the library, I got a whole bunch of the generic Sim games from Maxis. This is the one that got all the playing from my family. It's just fun to fly a helicopter around a city. Uh, number four, Warcraft 2. I didn't get very far, but I always wanted to go back and really get into it. Three, Duke Nukem 3D. I'm not much into first-person shooters, but if I ever get the urge to play one, all I need is this. Number two, Elder Scrolls Daggerfall. I bought this at a thrift store for $10 and spent a ridiculous amount of time just hanging out in the titular city. I remember getting a hotel room and going around and collecting books, then going back to my room and reading them. I, that's, that's, that's the, I love that RPGs where you can just like kind of do other things. I love how he just like went and, and read the books. I also had this cool thing where skills increased if you use... It also had this cool thing where skills increased if you use them and swinging the mouse to swing your sword was very immersive. That's weird. That's I, I didn't know that that had that. Heroes of Might and Magic 2 is his number one, one of my favorite games of all time. That leads me to something else. Jay did me the service of turning me on to Horn of the Ancients, a mod, oh, for, yeah. a mod for Heroes 3, which is kind of like an unofficial expansion pack. The only problem I have that I can't figure out how to play the main game campaigns in Horde of the Ancients. Jay, do you know how to import the original campaigns into Hoda? I don't. So I'll, I'll share one of the, the challenges I had recently is I bought it on, I think I bought it through Steam. And what I learned is the Steam version only has like four levels of the campaign. So I lost any sense of the campaign I had. Hmm. I did read that the GOG version has the full campaign in it, so you might be able to grab the files from there to import it. But I have not been able to successfully play the campaign on Hoda at all. Okay. Sorry. There is some new campaign. If you Google, people have made their own campaign maps, and they're pretty they're pretty interesting. I've played a couple of them. They are super prone to crashing, though, so save often if you do it. All right. Um... Hold on a second. Okay. Um, Unacceptable, Robert. <laughs> he says, uh, I've also played a couple games for my New Year's resolution list. I played Roller Coaster Tycoon. Oh. He says, uh, at first he didn't, at first I didn't, I was upset that there, it's not a sandbox mode, but I realized it doesn't matter much since you can keep playing any scenario long after the time limit has expired, whether you win or lose. The next thing of note is a ridiculous freedom to build, not just of the roller coasters, but of any rides with the track. You can even have little kitty tracks running all over the map, weaving in and out of other rides. I've heard that the creator considers Roller Coaster Tycoon to be the definitive version, so maybe I'll check that out at some point. Yeah, and I'll just say, from like as far as the as like 
all Roller Coaster Tycoon fans, it's like unanimous that Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 is the best one. Uh, he says, I also played Starflight. Uh, Star I was afraid of how old it was, and that was justified. There is a definite learning curve in just learning how to play, and I had the manual on a tablet for the first few days of play. This was supposed to be a major inspiration for Star Control 2, and I can definitely see that. Uh, finally, I will be going back to Quest for Glory for the game of the quarter. I didn't play last year since the summer game was Civ 4. Well, this year, your game of the quarter is some console game or something, so I'm going to play Quest for Glory 3 instead. That's Father Beast, is, if you remember, he all, he basically like has made Quest for Glory his own personal game of the quarter many times, so he's moving on to Quest for Glory 3, also, uh, 3 now. Well, still listening, Father Beast. Quick follow-up email he wrote, How the hell did I miss that Civ 2 came out in 1996? If I had remembered it, it surely would have taken the number 2 spot. I played this distraction back around 2000 or so when it was the first game that I got online and talked about with an online group over at the Apolliton Civilization site. Okay, let's go on to... Th- first off, thank you, Father Beast. Yeah, thank you as always. Let's go to Charles. Or Chuck, rather. Um, ch- uh, let's see if Discord can handle it. Nope, Discord can't handle it. All right, Jay, can you take this one uh, from Chuck? Yep. Chuck says, Robert and Jay just finished listening to your latest episode, wanted to weigh in on a couple of things. Uh, Ghost of, how do you say it? Tsushima. Tsushima. Yeah. Tsushima. Um, It says, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, Tsushima. Here are the reasons why, A, the writing is as good as any video game I've ever played. Wait, 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 sorry. You skipped a little bit. I would like to plug Ghost of Tsushima. Here are the reasons... Here are the reasons oh, why. Okay, sorry. The formatting in, in Discord is, is not great. Sorry. Yeah. Um, A. The re- these, these are the reasons. These are the reasons. These are the reasons why he wants to plug it. A. Yep. Uh, the writing is as good as any video game I've ever played. Uh, multiple points in the main story and side quests were legitimately, legitimately emotionally moving. Uh, it was superb. It was superb. Uh, B. Visually, the game is just as beautiful, even down to the menus and the title screen. Minimalist, but gorgeous. C, the fighting mechanics are fun and complex, yet easy to figure out. It's maybe the best melee third-person fighting mechanic I've played in a game. Uh, when you get to when you get the parries and different stances and weapons down, you can just flow from one enemy to another, dealing death in an almost dance-like manner. It feels like playing a very good martial arts movie. Okay. Uh, number two, Mario 64. I just played this for the first time and wanted to weigh in. I can appreciate how big a step up this game was uh, from the 2D Mario games and how even its flaws were easily forgivable in light of its ambition. However, after playing Mario Odyssey, it's just impossible to go back to this. I gave it about eight hours and got to maybe 40-something stars. Then I googled how many more stars to get to the final Bowser, and when it said 70, I quit and didn't look back. The camera is ass. It kills the game for me. And the <laughs> fact that you get booed yep. out of level... What? I just said, yeah, I agree. Oh, oh yeah, 100%. Um, and the fact that you get booed out of level every time you pick up a star is annoying as hell. Oh, chef, that, on... is, that is bad, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty annoying, especially if you're not if you're not used to it. Uh, I played it on Switch, and I guess I will try out Sunshine and Galaxy also. Hope they aren't as disappointing. I feel pretty much exactly how he does about Mario 64. Yeah, I think it's a fair, fair assessment. 
Uh, number three, quick. I went to a boarding school for 11th and 12th, 12th grade and played a lot of Quake on LAN as well as StarCraft and WarCraft 2. We had a mod for Quake that made it much better. It modified the grenade launcher to explode on impact and spray nails in every direction. It also created a first-person POV contr uh, controllable homing rocket, among other things. There were many other mods. The best thing about Quake was how customizable it was compared to other FPSs. Peace, Chuck. All right, Chuck has a follow-up email. He says, guys, this is a second email. Sorry, I know you are trying to cut down on length. The marketing for this HD remaster of Skyward Sword is all about the fact that this is supposed to be the earliest Zelda game in canon. See where the legend began, quote, and that sort of thing. Uh, am I the only one that finds this timeline, this quote, timeline lame beyond words? Why couldn't Nintendo just be content having every Zelda game a, se a separate story with similar elements, kind of like Final Fantasy? It's obvious they never, they were never intended to be part of one continuous timeline or mythology, and it just seems stupid to force it. Love to hear y'all's thoughts, Chuck. Chuck, I, again, 100% agree. That's exactly how I feel. I think it's really stupid. Like, yes. Clearly, and they had even said at one point, all the Zelda games like are kind of self-contained. They're all their own stories that just happen to have you know a, a lot of the same elements, but they're not it connected. Makes so much more sense. It makes so much more sense. And then they try to force a timeline on it, and it's just, it's why, like why, just why? It doesn't make any that it stopped making sense now. It made more sense when they were just their own universe. Like it's yes, it's lame beyond words. It's pointless and dumb jay i completely agree yeah. i think it's actually it's, it's actually crazy they try to back up or try to backstep from that like that is, that seems like such a, like a yeah that makes perfect sense why would you try to do anything otherwise mm -hmm. okay um one last follow-up from chuck he says question for jay what is the deal with two pokemon games at a time I think he's talking about how you played red, blue, or whatever it was. Um, how do you play them? Do you have to buy both? If you only buy one, is it half the full experience? If one has never played any Pokemon and has a Switch, would you recommend Sword and or Shield? Now, I responded to... When, I, when we got this, I actually responded to him directly with my understanding of how the Pokemon games work. But, Jay, why don't you, why don't you respond to that? No means an expert here, but essentially the understanding is each one has like a very slight variance to the other. So they're like gold and silver are the ones that I know the best. And my understanding is, is there are certain Pokemon that are available in gold versus silver. And it's predominantly like one or two different Pokemon. Other than that, I think the games are basically the same. So I don't think there's a substantial difference. Okay. That was what I said. My, my understanding yeah. as well is that they are the exact same game, but gold in that example has one character that silver doesn't have. Silver yep. has one character that gold doesn't have, and that's it. So when you say, okay, I, for this episode, I played Pokemon Gold slash Silver, you, you're, you're, you only played one of them, but what you're saying is your assessment goes for either of them. Yeah, exactly. And there also are versions where they, they basically um, take the unique effects from them and put them on the other one. So you can basically play one that compiles both of them. Okay. So like when you say silver and gold, there's a modded version that has every Pokemon that's on silver and gold consolidated gotcha. into one game. So you don't have to play them multiple times. Do you um, have any comment about Sword and Shield? Have you played Sword and Shield? No. Eight? Okay. 
I haven't played. The, the most recent iteration I played was Pearl and Diamond. Uh, I am just a silver, gold, silver and gold fanboy forever. I will. That is always the version I go to whenever I play Pokemon. Okay. All right. Last one is from our friend Travis, aka Nest Friend. You might remember him from our last episode. Who? <laughs> Travis says, "Classic gaming bros." Trav here. Recent celebrity guest, time traveler, NES nerd, and not Alex. (laughs) (laughs) I love old school games, but nothing quite matches the adoration RPG fans have for their favorite franchises. I didn't play a lot of RPGs growing up and didn't really get into them until the last decade. Since then, I've played catch up on the classics. A few Dragon Quests, the first two Wild Arms, the first Breath of Fire, Chrono Trigger, Earthbound, and a handful of Final Fantasies, to name a few. I'm not a very harsh critic when it comes to video games. I can have fun playing just about anything you hand me. I'm easy to amuse. I think imperfections are interesting. And yes, Robert, I finished Shenmue and really liked it. I don't know how I feel about this Travis guy. What I can't seem to completely understand... I can't get over that, Jay. But I can't. That's actually, that's a bold statement. <laughs> how? My question is, how, Travis? How did you really like it? Like, not just, yeah, I liked it. Not just, I can understand how people <laughs> used to like it, but he really liked it. Okay, we'll have to get him back on and like interrogate him. What I can't seem to completely understand is why. Final Fantasy is is so revered and popular. You like Shenmue, but you can't seem to completely understand why Final Fantasy is... I feel like this is a troll. (sighs) What I can't seem to completely understand is why Final Fantasy is so revered and popular. Of the ones I've played, I thought they were pretty good but I'm left a little baffled by the overwhelming adoration from its fan base. Is it because it was a franchise that rebooted itself constantly and therefore remained welcoming for newcomers to newcomers for decades? Is it the characters, their hair are the stories really that good? Is it the pseudo steampunk ambience, the music? It's sure to be a combination of these factors, but to me, these merits don't stand that far apart from other RPGs I've played and enjoyed. Admittedly, uh, I've not had play. I, admittedly, I've not played all the hallmarks in the series, but I'm familiar with a good number of them. Maybe you can shed some light on why Final Fantasy is held in higher regard than other RPGs, if you even think that's the case. If not, I'd be interested to know where the series falls for you on the RPG spectrum. Thanks for reading my lengthy email and talk soon, Trav. Okay, first off, I would like to know which ones you played, Travis, because he says, out of the ones I played, I thought they were pretty good, but I'm left baffled by the overwhelming adoration from his fan base. That's First off, that's extremely understandable if you've played only the pretty good ones, of which there are plenty. Plenty of them are just only pretty good. Um as far as overwhelming adoration from its fan base. Now, Jay, you 
tell me if you agree with this. I'm going to say that yet, that even though there are people who are like, yes, I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy. Uh, I, I may be, I, me, Robert, might be becoming one of those people myself. Even amongst those fans, I don't know if there are a ton of people who really have an overwhelming adoration of the whole entire series. I think even people who are, who would say, yes, I'm a big Final Fantasy fan. I think even most of those people would say, yeah, but these four or five or six really aren't that good. I think so. I'll be honest with you. I don't think most people have played most of the the bad ones. I think a lot of people talk very highly about Final Fantasy, but they haven't actually, in fact, in fact played a lot of those ones. To um, be completely honest. Okay. I kind of wonder about that. So... That being the case, what I what I will what what I do understand the confusion of is why generally very broadly speaking, uh Final Fantasy is a pretty popular RPG series. Even among RPGs, it's a very popular franchise, of course. Uh yet there are plenty of just uh, of bad or just so-so entries. So why, what is it about Final Fantasy that's, despite like many ups and downs in quality, what is it about the series that that kind of has allowed it to remain so popular? What are, I don't even know if I really know. What What do you think, Jay? It's kind, of, it's kind of a tough ask. I mean, realistically for me, it's it's always interesting to see what they're trying to do. Like, they were always kind of pushing the limit with, with that style of gameplay for a long time. There was always the different stories that drew me in. Music was always a big portion of it. I, I don't know. I always, I, I'm a big fan of turn-based combat, so I'm always down to play a really, really good game that has turn-based combat to it, so that always kind of drew me in. I, I don't know if it's one specific thing. I think they do a lot of things well, and it just... I don't know. They have a lot of a lot of trust from the fan base. I, I I really kind of find myself wondering the same thing after after reading this because I, I think my best attempt at an answer would be that Final Fantasy was not, was not the first, but one of the first uh, big RPGs. Or, or as far or or big one of the first big JRPGs, um, Dragon Quest was is is considered the first, but Final Fantasy came very shortly after, and so one thing is that it, it was kind of one of the one of the OGs, and it's and it just kind of has retained a lot of cred from that. But then at the same time, that doesn't explain why it's it well in the West, so much more popular than Dragon Quest. In Japan, Dragon Quest is far more popular. But for us, Final Fantasy is, and I don't know why it kind of beat out Dragon Quest as far as that goes. Um, for me, if I if I consider myself a Final Fantasy fan, I think the reason why is because I really like... I think there are two things. I really like the aesthetics of a lot of the Final Fantasy games, even though the aesthetics very drastically change from some games to others, mm-hmm. especially from six to seven. And then uh, my understanding is from eight back to nine, uh, there are some there are some wild deviations, but 
all of the, but, but they're always pretty good aesthetic wise. They're always pretty interesting. Just like the looks of the characters, the looks of the weapons and the technology and the look of the world. Um, something about it. I just always like, whereas compared to dragon quest, since that was the example I brought up earlier, it always feel it, Dragon Quest is. A, I understand why it's such a great series, and I and I really do like the the few the, the the two Dragon Quest games I've played. But they but they feel much more vanilla as far as like the world goes. Oh, and bad guys too. The bad guys are all like really interesting in, in Final Fantasy. That I would consider them as kind of that is kind of part part of the aesthetic. Um, I would say you also kind of like you sort of know what you're getting with the final fantasy game. Again, even though there are big changes from some of the games, even gameplay wise, you kind of, you kind of like, it's, it's sort of familiar territory regardless, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that because it's probably not any more familiar than any other RPG series. Maybe maybe, I think that I take that back. I'm probably flat out wrong. I'm kind of confused too, Travis. I don't know why, but I think a lot of it goes to the aesthetics um, and then I don't really know what else. Like I, I like the fact that some of that, that like, you know, a lot of them kind of stay comfortably within what you expect from an RPG, but then there are plenty that step outside of that and do just great. Like final fantasy seven, for instance, it's not what you expect from a, it's, it's not your typical fantasy RPG in any way and it still works too so I don't know I really don't know <laughs> I'm trying to kind of figure this out as I talk I don't know if I have a good answer uh Jay any other insight because I'm I'm I know you kind of already said what you think but I'm, I'm sort of lost honestly yeah I think I think it's it's definitely an interesting topic it's I'm sure it's something people have talked about before yeah. it's it's kind of hard to say at this point though hmm. I, I, I'm I'm I have to give this some more thought now now I'm like it's going to bother me until I, until I figure it out. Uh, but that's it from Travis. Travis, thank you for the uh, befuddling email in several ways, not the least of which is she really liked Shenmue. Um, but I think, well, we got a, we got a current gaming subcast. I was going to say we got to wrap it up, but we got one last thing to cover. Jay, current gaming subcast, do you have anything to talk about? Just been playing a lot of Don't Starve again. Lisa and I, for whatever reason, we always get back into it. Playing on Switch, which has been fun. I've probably put another 10, 15 hours into it alongside her, which has been a whole lot of fun. It's very fun on the Switch. Unfortunately, there's no, there's no, you can't really do the co-op without having two active Nintendo online accounts. But uh, it's still a very fun game. So nice. I'm almost done with Yakuza Like a Dragon. I'm still absolutely loving it. Nice. Um. I'm on the last chapter and I think I'm like almost at the last section of the game. I kind of got to this one part where it's like, where more or less says, okay, there's this, uh, there's this dungeon you can go through if you want to the quote dungeon. It's like a sewer. It's a big sewer. Like dungeon is what it is. Um, and it basically, the the game more or less tells you like, you might want to go through this dungeon just to get some extra levels before you go to this last section. Um, so I'm, so I'm in the process of going through that dungeon and then I think I'm about to wrap it up and oh. I, I still absolutely love it. The other thing that I'll mention is that last week I got sick and so I was for some, so I was laying in bed a, a lot of the day for, for several days 
and for some reason I was like, you know what? I want to play some tower defense games, like something that's, you know, fairly easy to just to pick up and play. And so like I went all in. Well, I say I went all in. I went like semi all in on the tower defense games. I played four of them. Peace. And, <laughs> and uh, the two, my two favorite ones. So I played, uh, oh God. There's one on the DS that I played. It's called like Starfleet or something like that. Um, is that what it was? Starfleet. It's something like, I don't think it's called Starfleet, but it's something like that on the DS. Uh, it was okay. It was pretty good. It, a lot of people, it's, it's supposedly really popular. I thought it was just all right. Um, I played another, God, I can't even remember the names of any of these. I played one on the Switch. That was like a combination tower defense and shoot 'em up. That was pretty cool. It was pretty fun too. But um, I'm I'm trying to Google and talk at the same time. But I can't remember what it was called. Oh, it was called X Morph. That one was pretty good. Um, then I played my two favorite ones were on the Switch. Uh, one was Dungeon. I'm sorry, Kingdom Rush. That one was pretty good. It was very good. It's um, kind of a cartoony graphic style. And it's, you know, really what you expect from a tower defense. Like, a bunch of bad guys get, walking down the path, getting from one end to the other. You're setting up, like, there are there are designated spots where you can build uh, where you can build things. And you can build, you know, typical stuff. Like a, like a thing that has troops that kind of block the guys for a minute while they fight. Then it's different kinds of, like, attack towers. Some that do AoE. Some that just do direct damage. That one was was really, really fun. I, I definitely recommend Kingdom Rush if you haven't played it. And then the other one was my favorite which was my favorite one of all of all of them was also on the Switch. It was it's Dungeon Warfare. And for me, this one is a lot more uh flexible as far as what you do. You don't just have designated spots where you build stuff. You can you basically have different types of things that can be built anywhere. So you have some traps that are built on walls and like maybe they shoot arrows out from the wall. And then some that build on the floor. Maybe it's like spikes that come out of the floor or it's like a slime like block that slows people down. And you kind of use those in connection. Like one like one very effective thing you can do if there are like in a lot of the dungeons, there are parts where there's just a pit. And if you're if you're able to somehow knock the bad guys into a pit that, that automatically kills them. So what you do is you get these, um, if it's just like a, like a one tile wide strip of land that they can walk on next to the, next to the pit. And it's a wall on the other side. Then what you do is on, on the wall, you put this trap that shoves enemies. And then on the ground, you put the trap. That's the slime. So it slows them down. So it slows them down real bad and they get all clumped up. And then the shoving trap shoves them and pushes them off the edge and instantly kills them. It'll kill like 10 guys at a time just doing it that way. It's uh, So you've got stuff like that. You've got, like I said, like things in walls that shoot spikes. You've got little things that can kind of block people temporarily from moving. This one, to me, is a little bit more fun because, you know, if you have the spike trap, for instance, you can put that anywhere you want that's on the ground. 
Same with the wall one. Anywhere there's a wall, the wall ones. Anywhere there's a wall, you can build a wall trap. As opposed to having, you know, this is where you can put something that you just have to choose what to what what goes there. And then you can kind of like alter the paths that the enemies take by putting like blocking items on someone. Like there's a, it's a crate that you can put down that that blocks their path and that would force them can force them to have to go like a different route through the dungeon. It's also very difficult, but you can also customize the difficulty. You get these runes that will like make dungeons more difficult but give you more experience for completing them like some of them make the enemies move faster or have more health or gives you less money or gives you like let you earn money when you kill bad guys like one of the runes gives you less money when you kill bad guys but when you use these it gives you more xp in the end so you use xp in later dungeons by like upgrading your different traps. That's kind of like what it's spent on more or less. And so you can kind of customize the difficulty, but, but making it more difficult pays off more. I've really been kind of hooked on this. And if you're look, I don't play a lot of tower defense. This was really random that I just suddenly got the itch to, to play a bunch of them. But, uh, if you're in the, if you're in the market for a tower defense game, in my opinion, you can't go wrong with kingdom rush or, uh, dungeon warfare, just check them both out. But for me, dungeon warfare was, uh, was, was the winner. So I had a lot of fun on that. I even played it for about an hour today. It's, it's, it's a really fun game. I'm kind of hooked on like doing as many runes as possible, making them as difficult as possible and figuring out like the most efficient way to, uh, to keep the, the guys from, from getting to the end of the dungeon. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I've been playing, but hopefully I'll finish Yakuza like a dragon soon. Cause it is, one of my favorite games I've ever played at this point. Whew, and that's all Very I got. Cool. Yeah, it was it's 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 been it's been fun. Uh Jay, anything else before we before we head this one out? No, I think that's everything. Alright, this one went on quite a while. I even though we didn't <laughs> hopefully this isn't a trend <laughs> where we're just filling up the space that was left by the top five section. But uh anyway, our game of the quarter is uh front mission that's gonna be that's september right that's just next month yeah i think so let me see so if we if we do three weeks from today is august 24th that'll be probably our next episode sometime around then Ooh, although we need to talk i might need to start recording on fridays or or sometime over the weekend uh if possible we'll figure that out later then three weeks after that so let's just say if we did that friday for just argument's sake that's the 27th Three weeks after that would be September 17th. And that would be the last time. So mid-September, let's just say mid-September is going to be, that's two episodes from now. That's going to be when we're talking about front mission uh, for Ghost, for for Game of the Quarter. So if you want to play that, just play it by then, write in your thoughts. Jay and I will both be playing it. That's That's what Game of the Quarter is. And uh, we'll be talking about that whenever we have our mid-September episode. Uh, outside of that... Oh, and by the way, Front Mission was originally a Super Famicom game. It was eventually por- ported to uh, DS for uh, people in the West. So if you're not emulating it, it seems like the the only way to play it really is, is on DS. Uh, that out of the way, follow me. On Twitter, I'm at King Octavius. You can follow the podcast at Class Games Cast. Check us out on iTunes. Uh, leave us amazing reviews. It, it's, it really helps us. Tell all your friends to listen to us. That helps us even more. Uh, <laughs> you can also 
Send us emails, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Just send us emails about whatever you want to. Um, we're part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Check out their other podcasts. And I think that's going to do it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. It was fun as always. And we'll see you all in three weeks. Take care.